Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome, everybody. Uh, We are on Ted Lasso, Season 2, Episode 3, Do the Rightest Thing. Um... I feel like this is the beginning of our animosity stage on the podcast. And so um, I want to frame it by saying that um, I I was thinking about how to tackle this because this is where things start to go pear-shaped for me a little bit. And I was thinking, uh, I love this. I think season one's a masterpiece. Um, I love this show. I love even season two. I loved it. Um, I love it because of my affection for season one and because of the great characters and the hard work that the team put in and all the people behind the scenes who clearly care about this. Um, and when things go wrong, it's, it's normal because I don't, I think it's really hard to, to make two masterpiece seasons of any show, um, much less one this groundbreaking. So, I just want to frame my criticism that's coming in this episode. It's like uh, when you have a little brother and you know he could be better, and you're like, "God damn it, man! Just get it together! Like you're better than that. it's that's 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 like really the the sort of genus of the uh, of the criticism because um, I, I I truly love it and I love the characters and I love the concept and I love everything that they do. Um, it's just that in certain places, I don't like uh, what they've done. How does that strike you, Coach? I hear a lot of excuse making for abandoning a show that's done so much for you. That's what I hear, mostly. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, if this if this makes you feel better for being a total turncoat, then uh, you should run with that. <laughs> no, I... Uh, I get it. I get it. I, I think we're going to I think these will be good conversations for us to uh, to have because it is such a groundbreaking show that I think there are a number of ways that we do find ourselves like just in general, even articles I've seen. I think people are trying to find new ways to look at it and think about it and approach it because it it's it's sneaky. It's 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 sneaky in its ability to break rules and defy expectations so i think it's you feel like you're getting you know a pitch right down the middle but it's just not so i'll go ahead and uh jump on the i guess too hot version of the the goldilocks that we have here um i uh don't feel any loyalty to any show ever um and and not, not just any show anything that i'm consuming i wouldn't say that i feel any loyalty to like what I could say is that seasons one through four of Game of Thrones were brilliant and I loved them and I rewatched them many times. And then after that, it went so far off a cliff that I don't acknowledge it exists. Same thing with Sherlock in season four, which also doesn't exist. Um, I'm trying to think of something else offhand right now that I was like, well, you did good and then you did bad. And uh, I don't think that I want that to come across as a personal attack on anybody that's making the show. 
But in the same way that if I'm working with somebody at my actual job and I'm like, hey, you didn't do this so well, you need to go back and re-research it and look into it more and figure it out better because this version isn't good. Like what you sent me isn't good. So let's redo it. And that's not that they're idiots or bad at anything. It's just I this draft wasn't cutting it for me. All right. Well, the the table is set. That's right. The table is set, and we we're gonna we're gonna find out where our positions are on on that table. Um, we open with "Hand in My Pocket" by Alanis Morissette. Um, I'm broke, but I'm happy. I'm poor, but I'm kind. I'm short, but I'm healthy. Uh, and Ted enters the outside office. Uh, yeah, uh, the 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 sort of entryway to Rebecca's office, and finds a teenage girl played by Kiki May. Um, and she is playing hand in my pocket out of her laptop. So one of those 13-year-olds who plays Alanis Morissette in 2022 or 2021. I'm going to jump in very quickly and say that while that might seem unrealistic, I did go to a Dave Matthews Band concert this year and saw a number of 18-year-olds. I don't know if they were trolling us or if they were there ironically, but they were there. They were consuming it. So it might not be outrageous that she'd be listening to Alanis. Oh, that's interesting because I didn't find it outrageous at all. My um, One of my 17-year-olds I'm, I know for sure is familiar uh, with uh, Alanis. And I believe they went they went with my wife to a concert uh, when, oh. when Alanis was here. So, yeah, I don't find – I didn't – I mean, you know – I'm not sure it's, you know, sweeping the nation or anything 25 years later, but um, I don't think it's out of, I don't think it's crazy that some young person will be listening to it. What I find, what blows me away is I get the sense they probably listen to it in the same sort of, I am so smart and cosmopolitan and grown up kind of way as I listen to like Marvin Gaye, you know. What, what's going on and and stuff like that. That's the, that's my vibe. That's the vibe I get, but you know, I, you know, I could be off uh, on that. Yeah. There's I hate definitely to say a, it, but that's my version of Steve Miller band when I was 17. See? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a crossover between Gen Z and, uh, who, you know, Gen Z kids who have Gen X parents or, or older millennial parents where they have absorbed a lot of their parents' music. So it's not, it's not the strangest thing in the world. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, Ted greets her and asks if she's new here. And she replies by saying to planet Earth, uh, to planet Earth. No, I'm 13, but I'm also fairly certain this is my third life reincarnated. And he whistles, Ted does, and says, well, color me impressed because my third lap around the big blue marble, I was nothing but a horse fly. And she says, I've never seen a horse fly. I saw a horse pee once. Mm. That was a lot. And Ted says, yeah, noisy too. I enter this as exhibit A in Ted Lasso definitely has ADHD. Um, Because even the structure of this, I was like, it made so much sense to me in its own way. I was like, I follow this 100%. It is very funny to me. And your brain has to be willing to like make almost like 90 degree turns to make it through this safely. Uh, it, your brain also has to believe there are confident, uh, funny 13-year-old people out there who greet 
adults mm-hmm. with jokes and are uh, funny off the bat and can riff like grownups. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to have, I'm just, this is going to be a through line for me. I didn't buy it. I didn't like it. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, wow. there's, there's, there's almost yeah, nothing. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. We're, we're going yeah, 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 okay. to get into a lot of this, but because okay. listen, we only have three hours. Um, <laughs> and I could spend that whole time deconstructing what I, what I'm not buying about the Nora character in general and the usage oh, on the show. Wow. And oh, this wow. is nothing against Kiki May, who does a great job and is a great actor. This, that's not it. She was in the great, and and I think she's talented, and I lo- oh, and yeah. I like what she does in the part. So uh, the distinction is that uh, the necessity of the Nora character, the believability of the Nora character, the use of the Nora character as a plot robot to move certain other things uh, forward. Uh, 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 that was not neutral language, but that's fine. I'll I'll catch up to you later, Mister Plot Robot. It is. I, no, I, no, I, no, I caught I, that. I'm saying there's a there's a facility there's a there's a utilization of that character mm-hmm. to to th- you know lay out a lot of exposition or or explain a lot of things. This is fine. Characters are used that way all the time. Um, it, but but I have I, I I chafe at the believability of a 13 year old the language she uses. And I listen. We're going to get into all this stuff, and I'll go as quickly as I can. I just didn't buy it. And I have I've I have four kids, and two of them are past the age of thirteen, and one is twelve. Um, and I have hosted I can't tell you how many birthday parties and <laughs> volunteer things, and how many times I've been around thirteen year olds. And I think there's one thirteen year old I've ever met who could who might have this uh, sort of instant jokey kind of vibe. Um, mm. But so so it's possible. It's not like they don't exist. Um, but I, I didn't buy it. And so right away it put me in a weird, like, wait, what am I, what's, what's, what's going on here? Like, because oh, wow. it was the opening of the show and I was like, oh, okay. I feel this feels foreign to me. This doesn't feel like Ted Lasso. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that other than the fact that I can't imagine a 13, a 13 year old listening to Alanis Morissette in 2021. Sure. A 13 year old in 2021 riffing on a joke from Dumbo. In terms of, I've seen a horse fly, or never seen a horse fly. No, that's not. I I have met very funny children. I haven't met any funny children who are funny in the way that Ted is funny. And I think that's what they're going for here. And it annoyed me straight away. It did not annoy me. I also didn't catch the Dumbo thing. That's just not one I know that well. Uh, oh. So that that so that may have that that might have played in if I. It recognizes it as such, but I didn't, I mean, we, we can move on and I know there's more to deal with, with her. So we will, but for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide actually, as I hear the two of you describe it, why that was not at all my experience. When she said, I've never seen a horse fly, saw <laughs> a horse pee once. I went, Oh, she's clever. I like her. Well, I can't was- speak for Castleton, but I'll say it's because you're a better person than I am. <laughs> uh, coach is not see. a better person than me at all like not even close <laughs> i've known him for years he's he's patently awful uh it, it took him four seconds of prelude of this uh this particular podcast episode for him to label me a benedict arnold for, um, <laughs> for having views different than his so I want to. Uh, I want to play on one of your teams, Coach. That's what I want to say. It's your forgiving man. I'm open to all viewpoints as long as they agree with mine. 
<laughs> so uh, Ted moves past. Oh no, we cut to. But I'm sorry, Ted does not move past. We cut to uh, um, uh, Rebecca in her office talking to uh, Flo Collins, who was played by Ellie Taylor. That's Sassy Smurf. And uh, Rebecca and Sassy are sitting on Rebecca's couch, and she's talking about this interesting throwaway line that made me cock my head like a golden retriever, where she said, you know, now that I got rid of my lower back tattoo, I kind of miss it. And I, I thought I would ask those of you who have defaced your body with tattoos, um, <laughs> what you might, uh, what, 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 what would that be? I thought that that was uh, similar to the throwaway line in season one, where the guy at the hotel uh, that concierge said, uh, I, I hope the trial goes well for you. It, it felt oh, like a similar throwaway. That. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I loved that. Yeah. No, right. There are places for little things. As a writer, you'll you'll make notes. You'll be like, God, I'd love to wedge this in somewhere. And maybe it was just one of those things. So. Which, this line actually works for me. Um, I found it hysterical. Number one, of course she had a lower back tattoo. I know and love people with lower back tattoos. Right. They are still tramp stamps. I don't know how to get around that name. There's just, it, that's not to shut slut shame. That is to talk about the very specific late nineties, early aughts vibe that everybody had where they thought I should have Tinkerbell tattooed on my lower back. And I'm sorry to the person that I know that has that tattoo that I just busted you out so bad, but it's hysterical. Um, also, yeah, I don't the, know. The male, the male version of that was the, either the uh, tribal band around the oh bicep. My- or the barb, barbed wire. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's and let right. me tell you, it, that is going to be a tough debate as to which one of those has aged more poor or less well, we'll say, because I'm trying to be kind. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's yeah, hysterical to me that she said it's her lower back tattoo. And now that it's gone, she misses it. Only because there are times where I'll glance down and be like, oh, right, I have a tattoo. So you do forget about them. But you wouldn't miss something that you can't ever see because it's on your lower back, except with a system of mirrors. That's what I was wondering. I loved it. I thought it was great. Okay, so that was like a little tongue-in-cheek joke, like because you're not going to actually you're not going to actually see it. So I couldn't figure it out, but it was fine. I didn't laugh at it. I just thought I thought the thing I noticed is I I said, oh, they they mean tramp stamp, but that language is not appropriate for this era because tramp presupposes something, you know. Some, it's you know sort of kink shaming or whatever you know sort of a sort of language that uh would would i think i say it's time to reclaim sort of, it what's that i say it's time to reclaim it tramp is a great word <laughs> I mean, and referring tramp used to yourself to be, as a tramp is a great thing to do that's funny uh, tramp used to mean like train hobo it used to mean right. like charlie chaplin whatever and then it yeah. turned into sort of slut i think um yeah and that which is which is all terrible all these are terrible words and well, i haven't I actually just said that like, word the word i just said i haven't said aloud and i can't even remember and i feel so dirty having said that i'm sorry to everyone <laughs> yeah. i don't i actually dislike the mouth i'm gonna say all these words because i identify as uh slutty so i'm okay with that i like the word slutty i don't like the word slut whore is always fun but usually i do refer to older men as whores because that's amusing to me um i feel like hussy is one that we need to bring back and i don't know <laughs> like why why aren't we hussy has hussy does have like a, a the whiff of of 
of fun about it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like so, like someone who's got a little, uh, a little, uh, uh, what's there like mi- mischief about them? I don't yeah, know. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like an old school Blanche from Golden Girls. That's Mona exactly from who I thought of when you said that. Oh yes. my god, that's so funny! I immediately thought of Blanche from Golden Girls. That's so I'm funny. so ready to become a hussy. <laughs> I say, I say, everybody own it. Oh my god, would that we all? What could we all be as cool as Blanche from Golden Girls? Jesus Christ, she's the greatest. Um, moving right along, yes. before we start to deconstruct all these words. Um, Ted now enters. Here comes the biscuits train choo choo. Uh, he sees Sassy Smurf. She calls him Marlboro Man, uh, from last season where they, they had, um, fornicated together in one of the episodes. Uh, they hug and over Ted's shoulder, Sassy shoots a glance at Rebecca, which I, maybe one of you can, I, I wasn't sure how to diagnose that glance. So she's like, you know, this is a little awkward, but kind of fun. I couldn't, couldn't really tell. Um, she uh, Ted hands Rebecca the biscuits and he says, who's the new receptionist? And Sassy says, oh, that's my daughter, Nora. Um, Ted's taken aback. And I, this I really enjoyed. Uh, Ted pauses and asks if Nora is his daughter <laughs> uh, from their one night stand. And Sassy says, no, we had sex six months ago. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that. That's so funny because I didn't I didn't hate that joke, but I was like, Ted isn't clueless. <laughs> like I was like, it made oh. I laughed out loud that he said it, but I was like, wait, what? Well, he wasn't really thinking that it was a, you know that's like yeah. a joke. He's joking. He's being yeah. Funny. No, that's that's a very um, inconspicuous way of acknowledging to the room that these two bumped, and and then you're acknowledging the elephant in the room, and nobody needs to pretend. That, that, that didn't the three happen. of them don't uh, all know that they right. did. That's what I got from it, too. Yep. All right. Sorry. Okay. Over the last time I saw you, you, you were naked. Yes. 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 Especially okay. because um, in, what was that, episode eight, Diamond Dogs from season one, when Ted was all hung up about telling Rebecca or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my thought at the time was, dude, Sassy's going to tell Rebecca. Like, Rebecca is going to know, but you don't need to worry about handling that. She's going to check in with her best friend, and they're going to talk about it. So it it seemed like a nice ending to his concern that Rebecca needed to know. Obviously, she knows they're all adults. It's out in the open now. I think I thought it was particularly funny, and I'm glad you raised that because when <laughs> when we go to and if memory serves, you finished on my I now that I laughed yes. out loud. At, yes, I loved that. I thought yeah, that, was that was great. So funny. And him interrupting her, and all I thought when he interrupted her, and you, you'll, you'll help me out here, boss. If I'm, if I'm on target, I was like, "You wish that was the level of detail that Rebecca is aware of at this point." Like, I, like my sense is <laughs> there, there are no rules when that story yeah. gets told, and he, he wishes that was the level of detail. That uh that has been shared, but anyway, but I, I'm I'm I'll hand that over. I'm, I was very curious when I got there what you'd have to say about that. Well, what I thought more about that, I I'm not going to speak for every woman's relationship with their best friend out there. I would say I don't know if I would include that many details even on a one night stand. Uh, like that that's not where I operate at. Ah, but okay. if. If besties want to share every single, de- well, only because then sometimes you might feel obligated to share details about 
your side. And like, I don't know, I don't want my best friends knowing that stuff about me necessarily. So I, I, again, I, not I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, no, no, I'm uncomfortable yeah. with it. And, and, and I noticed, um, if we, if we, if we rewound the tape to last season, I think my position on Sassy was in general, I didn't love the pairing. Um, and I just thought like, Oh God, if we're going to have Ted with someone, like, I got, I hope it's not the, I hope this isn't it. Like this is the next, and it was fine the way they did it and they handled it very well. Um, but in general, like there's later in the episode, she talks, she, she comes back to the game. She shows up at the game. Um, and she's like, Oh, 22 sweaty men. Uh, why would I miss that? And I'm like, Ooh, like I just, there are, <laughs> there's a certain level, especially that was in front of her daughter. And I'm like, it is so, there are so many ways, um, that people uh, can sort of address sort of the natural, I don't know how natural sexual things are. And for, for whatever reason, sometimes I get a little uh, squeamish or a little, uh, maybe I blush <laughs> a little but about, about the way certain people, att- I have a, I have one male friend who does, he's very, very like, just like every second thing is sex and which is, and he's funny, but I'm like, oh, gee. so it comes it's off as pervy out. when dudes do it, I think. And then when women do it, it's, I feel like, oh, it's super empowering. But I'm also like, oh, like when when there's kids in the room, I'm like, oh, okay, like, and it's probably mm. very healthy, and it's probably my hang up. But I'm just like, and granted, in this in this particular scene, she says, if memory serves, you finished on my. And he's like, no, 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 we don't have to get in the science of it. That's the term he used, science, which I thought I was like, I love that. He did like a little shield of his face and pointed to Becca. So I loved all that. But then I, I just the way my brain works, I'm like, wait, where did he finish? And then oh. I'm sitting here. I, and then I started oh. going, oh, wait, did they, was it, was he, did they do it? And I'm like, oh, God, like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, why? This is awful. Well, Why? you did because added- my ADHD just made me like kind of go down this rabbit hole about like where okay if if I put these two these two are these are Ken doll Ken and Barbie together and where would I I'm like I it was actually terrible so well it's funny because I actually did I filled in the answer in my head which I didn't think about the fact that I had done that. Until you just said, but we're, and I'm like, actually, no one indicates what the end of that is. So that all came from you, Orlando. But beyond the fact that I need therapy, the point Wait, is. Wait, how confident are you in the answer, uh, coach? I was. You feel like you probably you feel like you got it? No, no. Now, I, I, before I thought I had it, until you just raised the fact that, no, it was an actual question. It's just that in your twisted head, Orlando, there was one answer that made sense there and that's scary and weird um but yeah no i thought it was very funny <laughs> i thought that was very it's, funny. Uh, obviously it yeah, was hello. oh god man Oof. i cannot believe that either of you follow my twitter feed because i must make you wildly uncomfortable all the time is my first oh, thought i laugh out loud at your <laughs> tweets a solid seventy-five percent so of the time. Vulgar. Out oh, loud. Man. Out oh, loud. I, I clutch my pearls a lot at your show. <laughs> I, I did figure I do. that. I figured I do. That no, but that. I love them and I love you. Um and and I uh, and I'm proud of your uh, uh fierce independence and um <laughs> how you how you refuse to con- comport to societal norms of any kind. Um I really do love that. 
but yeah, sometimes I go, oh, holy shit. Wow. Sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Also, um, which probably makes a lot of sense, is I, I thought that this was actually uh, sort of a cuter moment between Ted and Sassy. I thought that she, I've done this before where I will set somebody up to interrupt me in order to make the joke. Like, I felt like Sassy knew what she was doing and knew that Ted was going to jump in and be like, oh, oh you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, no, no, we, fully, you know, fully agree. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I agree. I actually like this. I actually like this moment with both of them and I didn't mind Sassy at all. And, and, um, but yes. It, Totally. I, maybe I, I, sh- I shouldn't have said that in the same way, but in, in general, my overall thing about Sassy is like, oh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent on board with the character. Uh, but here, yeah, this was a little cute interaction. Anyway, Ted asked what brings Sassy's fun buns to town, which I didn't know if that was a clue um, to the finishing uh, thing. <laughs> she, uh, <clears throat> she uh, you do. <laughs> Um, oh God, she's speaking at a this. conference in Brighton. Uh, so Nora's going to stay with Stinky, uh, who is, as you might remember, Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca says she's going to make good on every single one of her wishes as retribution for being absent uh, for the last six years. Um, and Sassy says, just make sure one of those wishes is a spare tampon, then Miss Fairy Godmother. And Ted gets very awkward, and Rebecca says, oh. And Sassy continues, that girl is an errant cobblestone away from her first period. So, um, Ted is uh, very uncomfortable. It says, well, bibbity bobbity booyah, you know, always good to see a sass straight shooter. I'll let you get, uh, ladies get back to it. Uh, TTFN, which is ta ta for now. And, um, let's talk about the depiction of a man who's uncomfortable talking about tampons and how that plays into the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Oh wow! <laughs> well, well, oh sure, absolutely. Well, here we go. Uh, but I, I was. It's funny. I was a little bit surprised that Ted, not that he was at all uncomfortable, because I could get where like I don't really know y'all like that. Like this is this is a weird setting for me to go for me to be in this uh, on this topic. But I was a little surprised that he didn't try harder to not seem uncomfortable if that makes sense like the guy who the guy to me the guy who made the joke about um you know if that if the, if the miss, miss, mr welton or miss welton is my father you know if that's if that if you're serious i can't wait to unpack that like i just thought right. that guy right, right, right. would yes, be a little more aware right? that he, well or, or at least be aware like ooh, i shouldn't be uncomfortable let me not act on, you know what I mean? Like yes, you can have that yes. moment. And I, I was a little surprised that he didn't, that it didn't go that way. Um, Don't you oh, find it a little bit odd though? And this is again, Sassy's personality. Her discussing the timing and uh, imminent arrival of her child's uh, only child, as far as I, I think, but her only child's um, uh, uh, beginning menstruation um in front of her best friend i get i get i tell my best friends most things um not you coach but most of the other friends <laughs> and um but to say it in front of ted i'm like that i'm like that is and i was like is he awkward because like that is that's oversharing like maybe it wasn't the tampa maybe it's like whoa 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 this is this is above my pay grade friendship wise to know about the intimate details of a girl i just talked about horse piss with i, right. I was like what what is 
it just felt like god sassy man like get any filter i so it's interesting because i agree that it was you know obviously she she's not a not a character constructed around that filter um but i thought it, it felt in line for me right it felt it felt like her now i think you were gonna get a chance to talk about the character more but to me Someone who stood in a hotel lobby and basically said, you know, I was going to try to fuck that dude with the cool mustache, but I think I fucked it up. Like, she don't give a damn. Like, she just says what she has to say. And I just, that's my sense of her. Or even saying, like, I have friends, you know, whose parents I know. I would still never admit that, like, I was drunk showing up to their house. But, like, like at age 50, I still wouldn't say it. But there she was climbing through that window going, I used to do that drunk. <laughs> so I, just get, I was like, holy shit. So I just think that's sass. Like she doesn't give a shit. Like she's like, that's reality. And I'm going to say it. Also, I'm going to show up at your door at two o'clock in the morning and just fucking walk past you. You know what we're, you know what I'm here for? What do I have to do? Make a sign? Let's get to yeah. it, buddy. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think that Ted is. Being uncomfortable because he thinks that, because he doesn't want to hear about it. I thought it was very similar to um, season one, episode one, where he covered up Keely's breasts in Jamie's locker. Like, I think that there is still a part of him that is a good Midwestern boy. And what he's going to do is make sure to protect a woman's honor, even when the woman is sassy and she's like, nah, I got no fucking honor. I don't, I don't, I don't need you to do any of that. <laughs> I like, that. like I, I'll, I'll take care of myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that there are a lot of ways that we still make things like periods and menstruation and pregnancy and all of the literal shit that goes with a lot of those private Whereas being gay or trans or non-binary or whatever else is supposed to be more public. So I think that Ted would have an issue with that too. Like your private stuff should stay private and your public stuff is good to be publicized or good to Here's, be acknowledged. I'm s- I think that's a great point. Sorry. I think it's a great point. My, my only cons- question is that it, in, and I, and maybe I have this wrong, but that didn't feel like Sassy's information to share. That felt like Nora's information to share. That's so if it was sassy, like I'm getting my period, I'm like, cool, that say whatever you want. But if she's like, I'm getting my daughter's about to get her period, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's that is interesting. Not, who owns that information? That's interesting. I'm not sure I have a take on that, but it is an interesting distinction. It was my yeah. Just I think did, about your yeah. daughter, coach, and and if there was something uh personal going on with her, right. would you feel comfortable saying it to a relative stranger? without checking with her first or would you yeah. be like uh, maybe pause yeah no no i get it it's interesting it is not the same scenario but this just re- very much reminded me of a story i'll tell just so the editor has something to cut and so i will um but my, i was <laughs> i don't know it's like who gives a shit but anyway but but i um i was in the backseat i still remember this so my mom was giving a friend of mine who was a a girl a ride home her and her mom giving them a ride home and i don't know i don't remember how we got there but we got to a point in the conversation where my mom in the front seat shared with the other mom that my sister had gotten um her period and then i remember the other mom commenting like you talk about that in front of him like kind of like 
I'm good with this conversation, but I don't know if you forgot you have a son in the backseat. I just remember, like, the vibe of that and my mother's attitude sort of being like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's life. Well, I think that's super healthy. I, I think that is a problem with our society is, like, we uh, we say, oh, this is in women uh, based information and, and, you know, God, for poor, poor men, we'd want to subject them to that. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, as fathers, I'm sure you're the same as I am with, uh, with your daughter's coach or your daughter and, and your, your children in general. Like, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm available for all situations. Like, I don't, it's not like, oh, go run and talk to your mother about that. It's like, I am, I am here. Mm-hmm. I am here for every single thing that will happen to you, regardless of what, how society, you know, misconstrues it. Um, I just my concern in this thing was just boy that doesn't seem like hers to tell. Got so, it. Anyway, well, the only thing I'll jump in and say is if Nora had recently come out as bisexual, it, I don't think that there would be any question that that is something that even a stranger could know about without it seeming o- seeming overly personal. And so I'm not saying that. Mm. It, Maybe Nora would feel weird about that, but also is that itself a problem that people who menstruate would feel shame around having their period or would feel like that's something that should be kept secret and shouldn't be told to people when there's any number of other things that's technically Nora's information that Sassy would feel totally fine telling strangers to. You're right. And it presupposes like that there's shame around it, whereas I feel I see I see it as like a um, a personal body space kind of thing where it's like if if you want to there's no shame it's just uh, this is this is my sort of information I guess it's like if I had an earache uh, I would say oh you know who, who does Ted Lasso need to know about that? I don't I don't know I guess but that actually seems like an affliction uh, that's a bad that's a bad example I'm just saying if there's something going on with my body. I would want to be in control of the information around my body. I think I would. So even if it's as little yeah. thing, I would. In short, Coach Castleton would like you ladies to keep your curse to yourselves. Sure, sure. No, that mostly, makes a lot of sense. That's what I'm taking away from this. That's right. I don't want to hear about it unless you want to hear just like pages <laughs> about my earaches. My um, Twitter thread is going to run red today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Uh, what do you say we do what the man says and make today our masterpiece is a John Wooden reference. Um, and uh, I, there's no way in seven hells that uh, Rebecca understands that reference, but she just has learned to agree with the hokey Midwesterner. Um, and then he uh, jets and she says, uh, Rebecca asks if Ted talked like that the whole time they had sex and sassy says the whole time. So eager to please. And uh, Rebecca takes a bite of her biscuit and uh, Sassy says it was fabulous. And then she spits out the biscuit. That made me laugh very hard. And actually, in light of the conversation we just had, it does seem it's a it's a sassy thing, right? Like, that's kind of what Sassy does. That is, as much as they may have been gossiping, that expression of that expression of, hey, this is what it was like to have sex with Ted was past the line Rebecca was interested in, in right? Of, of honoring. So it may just be, yeah, that sassy thing is like, that's what it is, and I'm going to say it. So I guess that answers the question about that people had in season one about whether uh, uh, Ted and Rebecca might end up. She low-key vomits at the prospect of someone else 
uh, hooking up with Ted. So um, I, I did find myself wondering on the rewatch for this, though, if that was if that's a bit of a head fake. I'm still feeling like they might be teeing us up for. Oh, yes, we're going to give you the most obvious outcome, but we're going to give it to you in a way that's going to blow your mind. So we'll see. Okay. Cut to a press conference. Ted is addressing the press. He calls on um, Lloyd, played by Lloyd Griffith, says, "Uh, why don't you go all Pat Benatar on me? Yeah. And he says, uh, Lloyd figures out, says, I'll hit you with my best shot. And Ted says, fire away. Um, Okay. Uh, okay. So now he's trained the press corps to, um, sort of join him in insanity, I guess. Is that what the, (laughs) yeah, I feel like maybe that was a little part of also what bothered me about his interaction with Nora is that I can only handle Ted so much and I cannot handle multiple Ted's in the same scene. Like everyone should act a little more like Ted in terms of being, curious and not judgmental and being kind to each other. But I do not need anybody else giving us Pat Benatar innuendo at any point. Like that's Ted's thing and just leave it for him. And please, for the love of God, let the press corps go back to just asking regular questions. So quite, and this really is a question because is that the equivalent though of Caesar you later? Is it basically a, a way of establishing like the lasso way, the way I wrote it, I just jotted down the note, the lasso way has taken hold. Um, I th- yeah. I would say the difference for me is that it's in that you said establishing, like he needed to latch on to Caesar later because he was winning people over. If he has won people over, he doesn't need people to continue playing into his puns. Like then that's his thing. It, it, in fact, for me, the idea that people are trying to do what Ted does makes it less authentic. Like then it's not Ted's thing. Then it's, this is what everybody does. I think there are different tiers and this is, this is show. Don't, you know, you try to show, don't tell when you're writing things. And so I thought this is the writing staff showing us, Oh, he's one over whatever, but I I, one over, you know, part of the press corps or whatever they're, they're with him in this shtick. Um, And it's not like, bad for that particular guy to try to, you know, suss out what Ted was getting at with his remarks. So I'm like, this isn't terrible. The thing that was terrible was when, um, uh, when he called on, um, uh, the end of Trent Krim and he's like, Trent Krim and everybody says the independent. I was like, Oh no, 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 no. That was like way, way over the top, way bridge too far stuff. This I'm okay with, but again, I agree with boss where, where I say, uh, I kept, I can use less of everybody being, um, you know, Ned Flanders. Not only can I use everybody being less Ned Flandery, but I think had the interaction gone differently after this, I might have felt differently. But uh, Lloyd's question was, do you think that this will end your team's embarrassing streak of draws? And his answer is, I've never been embarrassed about having streaks in my drawers. And I'm like, well, that didn't answer the question, Ted. Like, what you did was sort of a pun on pooping yourself, but I don't understand what that has to do with football or coaching. Like, it, I also don't like that Ted is using his charm in order to deflect from legitimate questions. Uh, that didn't bother me at all, for the record. I thought it was funny. I get uh, that. Yeah. I, but yeah, I get what he, you're saying. But he's done – I mean, he has done it before, but, you're, but you are right. He never – 
the joke you would think the joke would be followed by but seriously folks right like whatever yeah. that would be and and it doesn't we just move on to the next question so i'm not sure how that article is going to come together uh that's a good point yeah yeah and Lloyd's also- in trouble when he sits down to write that like, oh, <laughs> shit i should have had a follow-up to the to the skidmark conference uh comment damn it god learn learn to be a better journalist um uh, uh, the room laughs and Ted calls on Trent Krim. Hi, Trent. Make it like Dunst and Union and bring it on, baby. I didn't fully get that until your notes. I'm not going to lie. I just, oh. I, I, I just didn't. My brain, Dunst and Union, somehow that, like, I was like, is that some like 60s? It does like, sound, sound like, like a train. It sounds, sounds like a train world? company or something. Right. No, no. I got it. I got it in the room and I growled like Roy Kent. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't that interestingly that did not that one did not land for me at all. I mean I was fine with it. I will say I liked Trent's reaction and I thought it I thought it lined up with some of what you both have said, especially what you said, boss, about the reaction to uh from uh from Lloyd, right? Because I think for for Trent Trent was sort of like, yeah, okay, you did your thing. Anyway, here's my question, as opposed to like, oh, you're so clever, or you know, I'll play along with getting, you. right? Yeah, right, like, right, right, right. It's been brought in or some shit, and you'd be like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. Um, yeah, but that, but then he continued. So basically, he does that, and and we get a uh, a moderately uh, um, well phrased question about the return of prodigal son Jamie Tart and how it affects the vibe. Uh, and Ted sort of answers it, says, I think he's on a path to becoming a better man. I'm just here to help him along that journey. Think of me as his own Mr. Miyagi, except without all that extra yard work. Uh, Karate Kid reference for anyone who is under, what, 30? I don't know. What, what, what's the what's the, the cutoff for Karate Kid reference? Well, they have their um, own, so I, don't, I didn't. Oh, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, too. I think we're, right. we're, yeah, we're good. Um. So, yeah, I didn't. Oh God, I hated that joke. Okay, that, really? again, that, yes, because here's the thing. Remember what my, my what my criteria is. It, it it should say something and be a reference to something else. So, like, if you work into the words something that is clever, and it also uh, sort of you know shines a light on something, or it, or is, is a deeper answer once you you know, think about it more or whatever, then it's fine. This is just a pop culture reference. That's empty. There's no, yes. I'm like, what there's, why say it? There's nothing of value to this. What I don't understand is why he said, except without all that extra yard work, instead of except it's going to be a lot more field work than yard work. Like then he would be saying that Jamie needs to actually work uh, on the field in order to get back into the clubhouse. That's an incredibly simple way of twisting what they already wanted to say in order to make it more applicable. If I could call it, love... except they call it a pitch, boss. They call it a pitch. Oh come on! <laughs> God, God, you're so <laughs> so jingoistic American. Everybody's got to call it what we call it. You know, as they... I was just thinking, like, oh, that was a good punchline. When I was when I did stand up, that was like one of I found to be one of the most fun things. Were comics who knew each other who would pitch each other like tags and punchlines off, of, you know, for jokes that you were working on. So anyway, I thought that was a good. Uh, if I were in the room and that had gotten pitched, it would have gotten shot down. Pitch versus field, okay. But uh, yeah, I'd have been, I'd have been pretty. Uh, I'd have laughed out loud on that one. That was that's that's funny. 
This is why you're also a better person than Castleton. <laughs> it, well, I mean, you know, we don't have time for that podcast. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we cut. We cut. You have something else to say, Coach? Of any value? Or can you- <laughs> we can move on. All right. So we're cutting to a full locker room. Jamie's, uh, you know, isolated in the corner. No one's around him. He's just kind of studying the room a little bit. Keely enters. Um, the vibe very clearly establishing shot is meant to show you everybody else is interacting with everybody else. And he is very much an outsider. Uh, Keely enters. She has Sam's photo for, for the Dubai air shoot and, uh, shows it to him and Sam's nervous and, uh, but excited. And, uh, he mentions that it's similar to whenever Colin drives him anywhere in his Lamborghini and Colin, uh, appropriately says that that car is, that's the Lamborghini is way too much car for him, which I, I thought was funny. Um, Keely tells Sam uh, he's a moment, a mood, a mantra. He says that uh, those sound like compliments, so thank you. Um, Zorro takes Zorro takes the the magazine and asks if it's an ad for ugly people. And uh, Danny love is a lovely person. Says he can't wait to see it up at a tube station, um, where Isaac adds that he can he will draw a dick on it. Um, Isaac, who is. <laughs> emotionally about nine and a half years old uh just lovely everybody should have a uh a, a teammate like like Isaac. um so uh bummer catch asked why he brought his kid on the plane um and jamie tries to jump in and says because it's the only way they'll know he's a footballer and they really play this up where everybody including keely just just you know it, it it's dead on arrival that joke um any anybody so far have any comments about what we've covered so far i had a couple things actually one is colin maybe the most self-aware character in the show and i i've enjoyed it in a number of places but i like there's something about a young guy buying that kind of car and there's something like i can like of course, every guy would be like, yeah, I can handle that car. I was driving 750 miles an hour. And instead, he's like, yeah, it's too much car for me. Right? He's like, I get it. I bought it. I love it. But no way should I be driving that. And I just, it, made, it makes me laugh. And it makes me, it made me like him more. So I just want to highlight that. But the joke dying the way it did, just, it struck me that that, so much of how jokes work like i've seen comics who had b minus material crush a room and other people who i'm like that is brilliantly written but the audience just didn't fucking like them and it didn't matter what yeah. they said it did like i promise you they could have gone up there and recited the 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 greatest hits of carlin Pryor, and i don't know who else and it wouldn't have gotten a chuckle i mean if there's so much I'm pretty sure I was at that show of yours coach (laughs) (laughs) I tried to laugh really loud to get everyone else man there's one show I was at that you would have been putting yourself in as much danger as I felt like I was in by 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 siding with me I was like Jesus Christ I don't don't think I'm gonna make it I should call my family be sure you know let them know I love them (laughs) holy fuck yeah. Oh, dying on stage. Oof, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. Everybody <laughs> should do it. Everybody should do it. Um, Absolutely not. I, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was weird that there was like that it was such a standard choice 
to have him like I was like, God, is there is there like nobody like you couldn't have Jan Moss like comment on it or something? I was like, oh, they left. I felt like they left a joke on the table or left a beat on the table, but fine, it's okay, it's no big deal. I was like, oh. this this show sort of zigs where all the shows zag, and I was like, okay, that's that's very by paint by numbers where it's like he makes a show, makes a joke, mm-hmm. everybody's silent to mm-hmm. establish, okay, he's an outsider, but like there are new people on the team, they could whatever, it doesn't matter. But I was like. That's interesting. And then we get the part where... Uh, what, Sorry, I'm oh, God, you're going to say quick. something? Yeah. In, uh, number one, I hope that um, Colin is able to take on the too many ghosts with his too much car, because I love everything about that idea. But I thought that Jamie's joke absolutely needed to bomb, because not just that he's an outsider, but that he hasn't earned it yet. Like, I have an incredibly large family, and when people bring significant others around for the first time or so, either you need to be the funniest person that's ever existed, or you need to wait your turn before you could roast somebody else. But you cannot yes. come in and yes. get in on the joke. Like, that's not that's not how it works. It doesn't matter how funny the thing you said was most of the time. I have one cousin. He had a girlfriend. She could have gotten away with it. That's fine. Everybody else, no. No, 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 no. Not until you've earned it. It's not funny until you've earned it. So I was Families totally like yours are a lot of fun. we are the worst the absolute pits i'll only say that um the first time i brought my boyfriend around and i didn't date in high school or college i didn't have any boyfriends that i brought to any family functions and i brought my very cute very smart very funny boyfriend to my grandmother's house to meet everybody and I said, this is grandma and this is grandpa and do not worry about anybody else because you're not going to remember them. And my grandma close to the end of the night said, I like your boyfriend. And I said, oh, thank you. This is what I brought him for to impress everybody. And she said, you know who he reminds me of? And I was thinking, um, I don't know, like maybe a Luke Wilson, maybe. And she said, Ray Romano. And I said, hey, fuck you, grandma. We're done being <laughs> friends. <laughs> Because you just said my very cute boyfriend looks like everybody loves Raymond. So I'm done now. So, yeah, we're very fun. Have you seen Made for Love, by the way, uh, boss? No, what's that? Oh, it's a HBO Max show. But um, Ray Romano's on it does like a he's amazing on it. I'm, yeah, he's a wonderful guy and I'm sure very attractive. But I was 25 at the time and I didn't want my grandmother comparing him to a middle aged man who had a sitcom on CBS. Yeah, that's pretty milk toasty. Like, what's what is Thank the you. polar opposite of I like bad boys? Your boyfriend reminds your, me of Ray Marmano. Your boyfriend reminds me of the achiever on a sitcom on CBS. It's not the thing that I wanted to hear. That's fair. That's fair. That's not that's not a super sexy description. I think that's fair. Thought it was a little strong for you to say "fuck you, grandma." Thought that was strong. Well, that's a that- little strong. I mean, I did tell her a few years before that that um, I was finally tall enough to kick her ass, and she said, "Oh, sweetheart, you are not." So that's sort of our vibe. I love that. Uh, we've made the right choice picking you to represent all women on this podcast. <laughs> Obviously. Um, okay, so Keely Nunn introduces uh, a dating app. Uh, I groaned at this because it felt like such a. Uh, I was like, ah, this is like when writers get tired and they're like, shit, we need to do this. We need to move this thing forward. So how are we going to do it? And then people are 
are sleep deprived and then they pitch terrible ideas and then one of the terrible ideas wins. And in this case, it's an app. Um, and so for me, it didn't, I was like, okay, I just kind of felt like, oh shit, here we go with the fucking app. Wait, um, it, wait, but, which part, just so I'm clear, was it the naming of the app that you mean bothers you or you, you didn't like the fact that they used an app? Like that, that was part of the story now. Yeah, I get, uh, listen, this show, uh, takes sort of liberties in ways that other shows don't. Um, I, I think specifically, uh, this show does a thing where they use phones accurately. So, so uh, we do a lot of texting in our world, mm-hmm. but in this show, uh, you'll have a scene that's, that's Keely, Keely reacts to Roy by scrolling through Twitter to see the responses, mm-hmm. like when he was first on the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we only know the, uh, later in this episode, we're going to, we're going to meet, um, uh, uh, actually, no, I think we probably met him in season one, but, um, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember whether we knew Sam's dad at all, uh, other than by text before this episode. I'm trying to remember. We, but, yeah, like, well, that's uh, a, the- that's an emotional con- connection that you see vi- visually. You're mm-hmm. looking at Sam staring at his phone, which is, uh, like any film school uh, worth their salt will tell you that is, that is, uh, you know, passive uh, to the point, uh, where, where, People will check out, and yet the show seems to pull it off. So I just thought, oh shit, banter. It seems like a plot mechanism coming up to do something. I didn't know what the, what it was for, but with Keely introducing it, I, I was like, ah oh, shit. I just had a bad vibe about it, and I thought, oh, okay, they're going to use like a the sort of ubiquitous quote unquote app to push some part of the plot forward that they can't figure out another way to do it through people. So anyway, that was my instant reaction. I'll react to it because I think they use it a few different ways. So uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, we don't need to stop here for that gut reaction, but I, I, I think it's, um, I actually, I thought they use it pretty efficiently actually, like in the sort of use, make sure you use every part of the, the Buffalo kind of a way. I was like, it, it got used a lot, but yeah, but, but I hear you. Okay, so Ted uh, Keeley leaves. Um, uh, oh, before that, uh, Colin makes a grinder joke, um, and um, Keeley Keeley was like, "Yeah," <laughs> and I was like, "Huh? Okay." <laughs> I thought Keeley's reaction was was weird, but okay, I'm like, "All right," like, yeah, I wasn't seems quite th- sure what that. I was like, "There's was some judgment laced yes. into that." Yeah. Weirdly, I'm like, yes. "From Keeley." Yes. From the person that knows like her barista's name, like I don't like what. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I, did, did either of you make like I didn't? I wasn't. It's funny. I paused on that joke. I didn't know what to make of it. Like it, I kind of chuckled, but it did seem out of place. And then it was almost. It felt. Was it the modern? Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like why shouldn't he know? grinder like why should a grinder reference be awkward but it is we all know uh, straight people know what grinder is uh, right you know right like, right I, like, I, I don't yeah i guess yeah I, yeah it was a weird it, it it did seem different than the other jokes for me that i will say that i, I yeah. thought he was just re- reacting to it like they'd having a, a two consonants at the end with an r like with a, missing an e at the end i'm like that's yeah. what but but so, did she think he was outing himself or something i'm like what is what is happening there was an awkwardness around it that I couldn't figure out for exactly those reasons. Is she like 
taken off guard because he's pointing out that they are blatantly ripping off a different dating app with the name? Or is this everybody's like, oh, are you telling us you're not straight? Which I don't, I, if somebody else had been sort of iffy on that, I'd have been like, yeah, well, of course, Jamie's going to give it a side eye. He's Jamie. But Keely, it seemed very mm-hmm. weird coming from. Mm-hmm. Did any of you guys have a reaction to the fact that when we, the first time Keely walks in to the locker room uh, on this, on this show, she was like there to visit Jamie and there was a lot of cat calls and she shook her ass on the way out. Do you remember that? Like, Oh, absolutely. And this is a very different <laughs> where you, where you oh, no. of course I remember that. Come on now. <laughs> um, Okay, so the no, but no, uh, sort of meant. Do you think that was good that they put like a mental milestone or a visual milestone to show that like how far she's come and she's very yes. professional and she's sort of like their boss in a way, like she's you know she's giving them marching orders. Yes, and I don't want to jump ahead, but it's funny that you point that out here because I think there's a there there are a few moments in this um there are a few moments in this episode that strike me as specifically pointing out who's coming of age and how. So it's funny that you mentioned that here. I didn't think about it here for that, but absolutely it parallels that scene. And they do a fair amount of that to my mind. So I don't think it was by mistake, as you pointed out. Okay. Um, so one thing I loved uh, coming up was, they have a bit, uh, Keely leaves. Ted says, we got a big game this weekend. And we get the little beat that I'm like, God, I'm missing this, where he's like, coach, uh, you know, you know, what about the op- opposing team? And uh, he's like physical. And he's like, anything else? He's like borderline violent, you know, <clears throat> uh, beer. And I'm like, yes, I mm-hmm. love like we sh- This should be every episode. We should a lot be of speed, a lot of speed. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of uh, you just want these little moments between these two coaches, because that's precious to me on this show for some reason. Um, on the whiteboard, by the way, there's a few trick plays from last season, Midnight Poutine, Upside Down and Loki's Toboggan. Um, Ted says, I still can't believe y'all don't have pads in this sport. It's amazing, which uh, I was uh, listened to with a little side eye because uh, flopping is terrible in the men's version of the game, whereas the Mm. women who play uh, in soccer at every level are tough as nails. But for some reason, uh, the men continue to lose fans like me who love soccer uh, because every fourth step they roll and clutch their knee as if it's exploded and then one second later, they're up and running. So that part of it drives me crazy. But um, Jamie interrupts Ted's talk to address the team. Okay. I know I wasn't the greatest teammate. I did some shitty things, said some shitty things, but I want each and everyone to know that I'm truly sorry. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to make it up to you. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's a little silence. Colin says, you called me a jaundice worm <laughs> in, a, in a profile for my hometown paper. Uh and Jamie uh, like, sort of like is like, ah, shit. And he kind of shrugs, which he did this great physical reaction to it that I loved. Um, you hit on my mo- bumper catches. You hit on my mom in front of my dad. Jamie says, oh, God, sorry, bumper catch. Uh, tell you that. Sorry. And, and give my best to Janet. Wait, which I, I laughed. I laughed out. so oh hard. Yeah. I'm like, no, Jamie. <laughs> like, yes. Jesus, Jamie. Like, no, that is the wrong way to react to that complaint. But anyway, that, I, I thought I love, I loved it. I yeah, thought that was great. very funny, yeah. very, very funny. Uh, Richard starts yelling him in, fr- in French, and, and Zoro translates. He says, "You cupped a fart and put it in his face." It sounds better in French, and everybody agrees. He apologizes. Jamie apologizes. Asks if there's anything he can atone for. 
um, Isaac yells that he got, they he got them relegated. And I was like, Oh, that's, I was like, that's a good, like, first of all, he's on another team. It's his job to right, right. score on them. So like, you can't really what, whatever, but I, I think I would be pissed that he was the one that did it. If I was Isaac. Um, and then the whole, the floodgates open and even Jan Moss says, I don't know you, but I don't like you. Another uh, laugh which, out loud line for me. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so funny that they, they featured because like you have the, the cacophony of everybody screaming and somehow Jan Moss, his voice rises above, above the, the tumult and, and you hear him say, I don't know you, but I don't like you. Um, Sam doesn't say anything. Colin yells, I'm not a worm. Um, and then Ted rushes in to say, okay, yeah, it's a good, good start. we get the ball, good way to get the ball rolling and, um, and sends everybody out to, uh, to the pitch where, whereupon Sam stands up and walks by Ted with, gives him a look, eyebrow raise to be like, Hmm, like, was this the best idea? And, and, uh, Ted makes a face and he scratches his head. And now. That harkens back to the end of last episode. Yes. I'll let you guys get in on this because I know there's a lot. Yes. Um, but that harkens back to the end of last episode where we, where we, at least some of us felt like there was unfinished business or a missing scene or what is Ted's idea doing this or does he have a plan? And this type of thing makes it feel like he doesn't have a plan. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hop in, boss. I, I'm sure you, since we get, got into it in the last, for the last episode, I'm sure you have some thoughts on it too, but I will jump in and say, this didn't even, I would have bought this entire line they've got going here with Sam and Ted and why bring Jamie back. If Ted goes to Sam and says, he doesn't have a great dad like you, and Sam goes, I don't give a shit. Right, like I, oh. I would buy that. I'd buy that. Sam's like, no, 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 no. That guy abused me. He made he 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 made a vulgar quote unquote joke about my mom fucking Maradona. Like this, fuck this guy. And if and and I think this scene could be you could change nothing in this scene, and I feel like I would buy it all more. But the idea that Ted, having dodged the bullet of not having talk to Sam, who he calls a team leader, to then do the exact thing that would have had would have made that a mess. I just every time it comes up, I'm finding myself like eye roll. Oh, so you're not Whoa. Wait, yeah, the, let's the, the let's dynamic between uh, Ted and Sam here. Yeah, I don't I don't I didn't I didn't buy it. I, I like I think they just needed a problem between them. This was one place for me for sure, where I felt like they needed it to go a certain way, and so they just made it that way. But but wait, hold on, Coach. You're you're a Ted Lasso warrior monk. You have I to know, love everything. I know. I know. <laughs> you're not allowed to disagree. I know. I know. I know. You people. I'm are just pointing out. So me. here's here's the thing that I think is going to happen. This is my thesis. Um, I uh, there are certain things I, I will say that I love the show. And there's certain things I didn't like, which which harmed the viewing of the show for me. And then I sort of mentally lower the quality of the show in my my mind. And I think you had the same reaction, Coach. This is my thesis. I think you actually also had problems with it, but you just don't lower the final grade. You just go, eh, it's still fucking great. So I keep the grade up there. But I think as we start to peel the onion, so hmm. to speak, I think we're going to find that we're, we're we're on the same page, except that you just don't uh, – 
uh, sort of administer a penalty the way I do. Um, Interesting. That might be. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to be we're gonna be a lot closer. Uh, of course, Boss is not. She's out. No. She's gone. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gone yet. There are elements of the show that still get me. I think that this season overall wasn't crafted the way that the first one was, and I feel betrayed by that. I feel like mm. Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt owe me another episode where Beard goes out dancing, and where we'll get into that later. I shouldn't be speaking about it too much, but um, I think that there's a way to recover from this. I think that this scene was actually one of the examples where I I, I totally bought that Sam would give Ted that look, uh, that Ted would have wanted Jamie to put himself out there enough where Jamie could win them back and maybe not understood exactly where the team was at in terms of accepting that. Um, I, I do still think like the fact that Ted and Sam haven't had a separate conversation where they discuss Jamie being on the team now is a big oversight for the writers. Like we do need to see Ted trying to explain and Sam maybe not believing that Ted is as legitimate of a leader as he believed him to be previously because Sam feels so betrayed by this. I, for me, like, and I think there are a number of ways to do it. Like, if not, a, I think it would be a conversation. So I agree with you, boss. But even if you want to, like, all right, let's have some fun with this thing. And as a coach, um, I can remember reaching out to one of my old coaches who's like basically a mentor. And I just said to him, I go, my practice, is, my practice is flat. We got a game coming up. I don't like where we are. And he said, figure out a way to make your two best athletes compete. I said, all right, thanks, coach. And I just went. <laughs> <laughs> did he say like, then lose my number yeah then, then goddamn leave me alone how many splinters did you have to pick out of your ass before you realize i hated you no i'm kidding i played for him. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but 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 it was great because he was 100 percent right and i got them competing and then things livened up and then i could you know do what i need to do so to me like let's say he had either intentionally put Sam on on the same team or in some group with Jamie and forced it that way or made them captains of some, you know, game and they had to pick te- whatever it is, I want to see him do more than when Jamie asks allow him to apologize. Like I'm like, no, you knew this was a big deal and you should have a plan even if your plan sucks. And, and and now I touched on yes, what it that's is. That's the it's, thing. It's, it's, yes. even if your plan didn't work, I don't believe that Ted Lasso would make this big a move with no plan. That I do. I that exactly right. Me. Exactly right. That 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 makes you think there is no lasso away. There is no lasso away. Well, I don't know if it makes me think that there is no lasso away. It makes me think a little bit. Why isn't Beard stepping in to say, like, no, for real, you need to bench Roy because you're about to make a very big mistake? Where was Beard to say, like, you can't bring Jamie back without talking to Sam about this first? Is it only that he's so preoccupied with Jane that he's not on top of it? or Which is unacceptable if he is. Which is unacceptable. Like, the issue is... there is something about the lasso method that isn't working right now. And nobody that's supposed to be calling things out is calling things out. Absolutely. Right. And and all the fights I got with uh, last, last year's fantasy football draft, it was like (laughs) 38 people coming at me with knives 
going, this what is, the fuck, asshole? Like, this is, this is yeah, yeah. And it's so true. And, and, and the thing I kept saying was like, they're like, oh, uh, I, I kept establishing like, oh, this is a show about two uh, football coaches who are supposed to coach football. Like, this is what they do. And I'm not seeing enough coaching. I'm not seeing enough like of the uh, soccer backbone happening, you know, and they're like, no, that's what you want this fucking show to be. It's not about that. It, the show is about, you know, the people and personalities and, and all the things that happen behind the scenes and the growth. It's not about what you independently want it to be. And I said, I know, I just, I, I had a certain expectation based on the first season that I hoped would continue. And then they said, generally, well, fuck you, they'll do what they want with the second season. And here's and here's the um the thing I want to say, because boss, you brought up something like Brennan Hunt and Jason Jacobs owe owe you something or owe us something. Of course, in my mind, the second season can't be as good as the first season because the first season, what, took eight years in development and you get to like luxuriate over every word. You know, you get to you get to just it becomes a a thing where you have needed every line 100%. so many times you've really squeezed the marrow out of every single uh, interaction. Whereas you just can't have that with the timelines of, of the season two. And this by and large is a waterfall of jewels. Like Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis don't owe anyone, anything they have made a, a masterpiece of a first season and, ex- and an exceptionally uh, a good second season, which has unfortunately, you know, it will always be compared to its older brother or its older sister and, 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 and may come out wanting by virtue of that comparison. But if you compare it to other shows of the genre or other, you know, uh, streaming shows, you just say like, Oh my God, this is still miles ahead of everything else. And so I want to make sure that we, that we have this perspective because we're not, we, this is a Ted Lasso podcast. We're, we're on here because we love Ted Lasso. We loved what they did in the first season. And we admire this team and this this staff and and the and the cast and the crew and we just think you know it's amazing. I hope our criticism is coming through like, um, hey, we hoped we'd see more of this or um, you know this may not have met up to the standard that I expected with season one, but it's still uh, you know remarkable and 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 you know at times just stunningly uh, brilliant. A hundred percent with what you just said and especially when you know compared to what right so i think that's 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 dead on for me it's interesting because it is technically a coaching slash football conversation right how do we integrate this player back into the team after all all that has gone on but for but even though i get that it is the human part of this that makes it fall apart for me. It's not. It's actually not really the the specifics of like, would it be some drill or would it be something they've got to do in a game or do we make up a trick play for them in the game? It's that to me, Sam seems Sam and Keeley for me most represent the lasso way taking hold. And I think we're seeing both of them grow up, which is something I think we see in this scene a fair amount. I mean, in this uh, episode, a fair amount. And so they both, in pretty short order, have moments here that don't just don't seem right for that. Yes, it's a soccer thing, but I just don't believe that Ted Lasso, like the emotional intelligence to toss Jamie into that locker room and not follow up on it. Like, to me, that's 
So I get what you're saying. That or not, or not have coaching. prepped Jamie in the first place. Like, don't go up and try to apologize in the middle of a speech because they're going to hand you your ass. Like, I don't want right. to put you in that situation. Here's my suggestion. Here's how I would do it. Here's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to agree with everything you said. I was joking when I said Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt owe me anything. Although if Brendan Hunt wants to send me anything, I would be cool with that. I want to make that very clear. Uh, I do think that the second season has a lot of really good stuff. I don't want to undermine any part of the effort. I also feel like part of the process of making art is then receiving the criticism about how that art was or was not effective. Like if I, you know, I, I've written places and I've written things before that people on the internet read for some odd reason. And when somebody says like, no, you didn't explain this part very well, like you missed the point on this one. I can disregard that. But that means that there is somebody out there that didn't pick up what I was trying to convey to them. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I don't want this to seem mean spirited or hateful, but also when they didn't do things as well as they had previously, I think that that needs to be noted because with enough time or with enough, whatever else they could make something as brilliant as season one, what can they do with a smaller amount of time and where are the weak areas in season two that they need to focus on? Mm. And also that's all assuming that they're going to ever read or watch or listen to any of this shit. Maybe they're not, but I, I feel like this is part of the entire artistic process is putting something out there and people being able to comment on it. Well, I didn't start working with an influencer like you to not be listened to. I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think I agree. I don't think I agree with, with, uh, with you boss. I think I agree that part of the process is putting it out there. I don't know if part of the process is ingesting the, the criticism of it. I, I, I don't shouldn't know say if that, being... that seems like it's totally not part of the process to me. I don't think that it should necessarily be part of their process. Um, I have, in fact, thought of it thought while watching a few shows, God, I wish these guys would get off the internet and just like make the show that they want to make. Yes. Stop listening yes. to what the internet is saying. Mm, I very totally much agree with so. you on that. Um, I, I think in terms of not the artist's process, but the artistic process mm-hmm. is is how this goes. Somebody makes something, somebody says some shit about it. It, regardless whether that changes the outcome or not, like criticism is sort of a half of making art that I, I think is really important to people. Yeah, I get that. Um, we we um, uh, are jumping over to the next scene, which is tea party with Rebecca. Um, it's Nora and Rebecca at a little uh, sort of little girl tea party. And it becomes very clear quickly that um, Rebecca th- doesn't know how you know how to handle a thirteen-year-old girl, and she's not six anymore. And there was a number of jokes. You're coming back, right? Just making sure you're not going to disappear for another six years. Um, I again, in in uh, I say this uh, with love and admiration for everyone involved in this. Um, did not give a fuck. Did not. And uh, was like, why am I looking about which? I don't wait, care didn't give this. a didn't give a fuck about what? Which any part? of this? Oh, any of this really? Oh, then any yeah. of this I, at all? Like, why is this really? What, what is going on here? Why am I wasting time? I could be looking at Roy Kent and listening to him grumble 
um, or Jamie or, oh. or anybody. I'm like, I don't, and this, this may be a bio in all fairness. You know, I have four kids. I'm all kitted out. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I may just not want to be around kids in, in my free time. Um, but, um, and the thing is, uh, the, the, uh, the Nora character is, is bright and intelligent and, and, you know, intuitive and witty and charming. And there's nothing wrong with, I don't love the, the bandana choice. For some reason, I'm like, wait, I don't, I was like, where the fuck is this like a British thing? Are kids in England wearing bandana? I'm like, I just don't see that many 13 year olds wearing like do rags, but I'm like, okay. Like it just kept throwing me off visually. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. because it was like another day and she still had, the same bandana on as she had in the first opening scene. I was like, wait, is this like a poor, like a bad edit or something? Was this like, or did they say, oh shit, we have her in green bandana in two different scenes. We better just keep that for continuity's sake. Cause we're not sure how we're going to cut this up. I was just like, what's going on here? And I why did- am I watching like a tea party? Like, I, like this is a soccer show. Yeah, no, no, no. I, it's, it's a couple of things in there. I definitely disagree in terms of, like, my reaction to it. So I guess I don't disagree. I just had a different reaction to it. Um, I very much liked this because I feel it's about Rebecca, right? Like, to me, it's it's Rebecca putting together or looking to reclaim the woman she was when she, before she went all through all that with Rupert and cut people off and sort of like did her isolation thing, even bringing Frozen back up in this episode, I think so it reminds us. So I, 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 I liked it in terms of that, and in terms of the fact that you don't just like pick right up, pick right back up with kids. Like even after six months, you don't pick right up after. But after six years, of course, she'd miss wildly. If if she's basing it on like, well, this is the stuff we used to do, that was fun. I mean, my son. I, I get. I get it. No, I get yeah. it. And no, no, sorry, your son. What? No, I was just gonna say, my 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 son. Now, like, we literally built a basketball court in the backyard, and I think maybe at gunpoint, I could get him to go out there and play with me. Um, maybe. Um, but you know, when he was little, I remember watching the NBA all-star game and setting up like a skills course for him around the family room. And it was like the most fun thing that ever had happened on earth. I'm pretty confident if I set that up today, I'll be dribbling by myself. Um, so I just thought it was, a. <laughs> I want, I, I want, I'm going to buy you that t-shirt. <laughs> I'll be dribbling by myself. Dribbling by myself. There you go. Um, so yeah, so I, 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 yeah, I bought in. I was, I was. Okay, this is part of a bigger note for me. This is part of an ongoing note for me, which is season one, as we know, was about Rebecca. Opened on Rebecca, closed on Rebecca. We, we, you know, this was season one was the Rebecca arc. Um, all of which uh, sort of made her who she is as this, what they will later refer to as a quote unquote boss bitch. Um, is, is the words of the show. Um, I, I see her as a, a more fulfilled, uh, more evolved, more, more powerful human being. Um, and yes, she's a woman in, in a, in a, in a man's world. And that makes it much more interesting and makes you root for her even more. And the things I tend to like about Rebecca are when she sort of digs down and finds her strength. That, that said, she's not Mary Sue and we don't want her to be a super, super, uh, hero. Um, but what I keep finding is there are choices that Rebecca, Rebecca makes in season two 
that seem to undercut that progress. So something as simple as sending a thing of bottled water to Dr. Fieldstone, um, a, a basket <laughs> of bottled water. I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's idiot. That's moronic. Um, then her, she can't ha- hack. Um, uh, she doesn't know when she, uh, she doesn't know how to handle a 13 year old and has to have, you know, Roy later on will tell her. Um, another thing is dates a boring kind of, kind of, you know, useless guy and, and is, isn't really sure about it. And then as the show sets up later onto the season becomes sort of this giggling thing, schoolgirl almost where, um, where we where where she's relegated to like so sort of the emotional breadth of her personal life is relegated to this app and and I go God she's so, I thought she was just bigger than this I thought yeah. she was sort of you know I thought she had I, can you imagine like just any any one of the people you admire you know sort of being attached to this you just app in the way she you just so outlined anyway. our path to war. You just did it. You just laid it out. So listeners, if you're out, you just, if you want to know like, hey, how do Coach Castleton and Coach Bishop end up trying to kill one another? It was just outlined for you. I, 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 I actually, I loved it. I loved pretty much everything you just described. I'll talk about why. But I thought, I think we're watching Rebecca sort out this real version of herself. And there's some things that she cast aside that she's not having to pick back up and figure out like how to make this all work together. So that that's what I felt like I was seeing. She went up the ivory tower, like Sassy told her, you know, Rupert was an asshole for keeping her up there, but she went up every step on her own. So now she's got to come back down and make sense of the world. So I, 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 I bought in on a lot of that almost because I love the character so much and think she's this big, powerful woman. But being a powerful woman doesn't mean she doesn't have insecurities. Being a powerful woman doesn't mean that her, you know, stomach couldn't flutter um, when kissed by the right guy. Like, those don't, that doesn't strike me as like oppositional. Yeah, I am. More in agreement with Coach Bishop on this case. Um, I do think that they it failed at sort of making her a well-rounded actual person in this season. I feel like if they're going to introduce these personal shortcomings, they should have also shown her being a real badass boss and doing most things right. Mm. It feels like she kind of lucked into a, more than a few of the decisions that she made. So I, I would have liked to see a few additional scenes with her being incredibly confident and competent and doing things as well as she possibly can. Having said that, I thought when I first watched this that part of the scene with Nora was that she gave up having kids for Rupert. And also for Rupert, lost her relationship with this kid that she did have a previous relationship ah. with. So this was something that she could come back from. She and Nora could rebuild their relationship. But this sort of showed that, like, yeah, you can't take six years off and expect the kid to still want to do the same things. Like, you, she does need to make amends. I feel like 
Sassy made it really easy for her to come back almost without any amends needing to be made. Like Rebecca needed mm-hmm. to acknowledge that she had screwed up, mm-hmm. but Sassy was never mean to her. And Nora might a little bit be like, you, you, you have to prove that you're coming back. If you're going to come back, you don't get to leave me again. And you can't with kids like that's even if you're not super close with a kid, if you suddenly like leave their life, that's going to leave a real serious impression on them that adults probably could recover from better. Okay. So we, we move on to uh kind of, uh, we're in training now. We're, we're looking over the shoulder of Dr. Fieldstone. Um, Ted calls the team uh, and says they've had enough of this amu- amuse bouche, um, which is a appetizer. And it's time to move on to the main course. Chef Beard, what's on the menu? 11 versus 11. Ted calls over to Jamie, um, calls him over. And then Jamie does this, like, uh, we used to have a word for that. What was that? Do you have a word for that, Coach? That, it's that's, like karaoke, but it's a little bit different. That's what, that's was, what was my it. word, karaoke. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, so yeah. funny. Um, I, I was like, that's got to be a regional word, but we called it karaoke, <laughs> too. That's so funny. We did wish- not have that in swimming, surprisingly. <laughs> no, not a lot of... Not a lot, a lot of uh, lateral crossovers. No, go. not a lot of uh, side shuffles. <laughs> I wish I could move like that to be so young, Beard says. Uh, so uh, Ted tells Jamie that he's going to start out in the reserve squad. Jamie has no issue with this. I'm like, this is great. Wow. Ted has a meeting with his players. Where's the meeting with Sam? But anyway, Ted explains that it'd be good for fellas to see Jamie after his spot back. Jamie does not balk at any of this. He's like, great. No problem. Like, you got it. Nothing like nothing more watchable, nothing more likable than watching someone humbly overcome adversity with their effortless God-given talent. I was like, that is great. It wasn't laugh out loud funny, but it's very on brand for Jamie. Hey, uh, just do me a favor. Don't try to do too much out there. All right. So, um, so yeah, that line though, and I also loved that line. There's a a bizarre wisdom and he, we saw it we we see it you know with the the ps5 thing like but, oh sorry but that jumps ahead a little bit but it's not not exactly a spoiler but anyway the point like i there's you know why would i i'm jamie tart why would i want to be anything else or i'm you know i'm great why would i want to be anything else um he has this weird like what he says is almost wise despite him sometimes yes. Yep. And I th- like I really enjoy that about Jamie. Um, yeah. You know, you there was already a great version of Jamie, but you wanted me to become an even greater version of Jamie, and you follow up, and you're like, that is a very odd way to phrase that, but I hear you and I get it, and I I I really like that about him. Yeah, uh, it feels like he's got a level of confidence that isn't shaken by other people's opinion of him. And if nothing else, that's really admirable. Mm-hmm. Like he refers to himself as a sexy baby, and you're like, "Well, probably you probably <laughs> were a sexy baby." I don't know what to do about that. Right. Yeah, it doesn't feel like oh, you're delusional. It's like no, he no. knows who he is. He's got it. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I would never accuse him of wisdom, um, accuracy, maybe, but I, wisdom is a, is a <laughs> that's a little bit of a stretch for Jane. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh God, like he gets there in certain places or, or cuts through the, the nonsense or cuts through the noise in a way that other people don't. And he, but he stumbles into it. Um, one thing that I noticed was uh, Jamie runs uh, to get a, a Jersey from Will, the, the kit man. And he used to treat the kit man who was Nate 
just terribly. Like he was right. so horrible. And in this little sort of throwaway moment, he was like playful and fun and kit uh, man. Hit you me. Know, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was like fun. Right. He wasn't he wasn't like a jerk to the kit man, which is you know, it goes against all of his like the, the status that he used to lord over everyone else. And he, he just I thought it was a, a it was insightful. Um he I says don't try to watch this with Go the ahead. captions on, but did he say Mr. Kitman hit me? Or did I hear that wrong? I think he might have even called that, him Mr. That might be right. That could be right. Which I think I finally picked up on when I was doing another rewatch this morning. And I was so impressed with them. Like Good job, Jamie. You're actually learning something. Yeah, you're not a complete cock. I mean, you're a cock, but not a complete cock to everybody at all times. Um, He's miraculously tapped into an underlying truth that we cannot reach because we're too busy knowing the difference between prodigy and progeny. Like, he just has a clear enough view. <laughs> That's Pavlovian. What's Pavlovian? Uh, wine? <laughs> Still makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so he said, he says, uh, uh, Ted says, um, do me a favor. Don't try to do too much out there. All right. Jamie runs off and Ted says, you think you heard me? Beard says, I do. You think he's going to listen to me? I do not. So, um, Nate then, uh, mentions how they're going to kill him. And both coaches look over at Nate, like, what the, f-? like, and Nate says, oh, uh, you know, sorry, he wasn't very nice to me either. So this is, a, a for me, an example of the, the sort of ongoing question we've been having about uh, particularly Ted, specifically Ted, uh, correcting Nate. And I feel like this is, an, this is an example of how the correcting happens. I just think that Nate, to his core... He's he's so invested. Like he he did not hold on to the nine Schadenfreude from season one, right? Like that's not the part. He doesn't get that part. And I don't know that there's anything they're gonna say to him that's gonna make him get that part. I think his goal is just to be far enough up the ladder that he gets to be shitty to other people and laugh at their misfortune and not have it happen to him. I don't think he wants to get rid of the ladder itself. Yeah, I think there were a couple of things that hit me about this. Number one, uh, Nate is going to take pleasure in seeing Jamie not do well and seeing Jamie get hurt and killed. Um, I wonder how much Nate felt the same sort of betrayal that Sam did, that Ted would bring somebody like Jamie back after Jamie had treated Nate so poorly when Jamie hadn't apologized to Nate, when Nate was not apparently in the room in the last scene when Jamie mm-hmm. was apologizing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Nate is right, but I do also understand Jamie wasn't very nice to him. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much that's been reconciled. And, and so that's a really good point. Like he's it, Nate is turning into a bit of a dick, but he's not wrong that Jamie was a dick first. Yeah, but he's a coach now. So he is grow a coach up and now. be a coach. But that also isn't, ever said to him either there's never an address of the fact that jamie was a dick to him when nate was farther down the ladder and there's not a i know that he didn't apologize but you're his boss now so now you need to be the bigger man discussion either like it, it it's left resolved in all fronts yeah I, you know what I, I i would agree with you that this return of jamie is 
probably my big sticking point of the season. I mean, I, a lot some of the other things we've de- we've debated, but yeah, I think this is another missed opportunity to to, to have again to have Ted. Yeah, to ha- I almost gave something up this coming late in the episode, but to have Ted actively doing something, you know, like when he gave out those books, it wasn't just like, hey, I think literacy is an important thing, right? Like, I mean, he had a plan, like he knew who to give which book. Yeah, I needed a- I needed this all to feel a little more intentional, but I yes. love your point, boss. I-, I think absolutely Nate has a right to be upset and it should be addressed one way or another. Uh, yeah. By by people who see his his miserable uh you know swirling down the cesspool <laughs> like personality is terrible anyway um Jamie uh does not play it uh take it easy the way Ted asks he starts nutmegging people and 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 heading down the field and uh he was not passing in the clip that we saw and out of nowhere Sam just blindsides him with a slide tackle um gets ball first which makes it legal. Um, and then there's this, the, everyone reacts, the coaches react. And then, uh, Sam stands over Jamie, um, which is a, a real callback to the moment in season one, episode two. Oh. Uh, yeah. Jamie was, was, uh, standing over Sam. Someone get some flowers. Cause this is a spot here where Sam died. It's very sad. And, and Jamie rubbed Sam's head. Uh, that's where Roy came over to like get a, you know, protect Sam from Jamie. This one. Uh, the roles are reversed. Jamie's on the ground. Sam says, Hey, while you're off filming your little TV show, some things change around here. And then a line, which I promise you is a, uh, written by someone who had recently watched Bull Durham. Uh, don't bring that weak rubbish my way. That was such a, that was such a bull crash Davis line. Um, and, um, yeah. And the, and the role, and then he, Sam bends down and rubs Jamie's head. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, yeah, he, he, that was, he definitely, You know, there's a in any setting, I mean, but certainly in a sports locker room, there's going to be some establishing of, you know, who's king of the hill, who's this, who's that, who's whatever, who gets to make jokes, like boss pointed out. And this was definitely Sam saying, it's my locker room now, motherfucker. Like, I mean, I was like, oh, 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 I was like, oh, damn. Like, he didn't just make the play. Like, he was like, no, 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 no. Just let us be clear. It is my locker room now. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, I thought it was an interesting. And in a way, I don't feel like it was intentional. But now that we're hitting this, for me, I like that moment for Sam because I do feel like there are times where we want to do the sort of high road, you know, what we've been talking about, new manhood kind of version of things. But there are moments where I think there is just sort of like, this is where we are, and we got to sort of respect the rules of this world. And I think Sam needed to feel, you're never going to take my lunch money again. You dare make another joke about my mother again. Like he need, I, I feel like he needed this moment to be able to move forward. And I like that they gave him that. Yeah, I think, it, well... I think that this was unintentionally, sorry, I should say Ted unintentionally set up this situation that mirrored season one where he brought in uh, Jamie, uh, Danny, geez, 
Danny Rojas brought right. in Danny Rojas specifically because he wanted to light a fire under Jamie. Like mm-hmm. he did the same thing your coach told you to do, Coach Bishop, which is bring in like get the right. two guys who are best to go at each other. I don't think Ted meant to do it this time, but Sam is now saying like you're gonna. I'm an ace too. You're gonna have to deal with me now. Also, this is not your show. Wow. I don't think Ted meant to do it this time. Oh no 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 yeah. No, we don't what, give what I'm, for this I'm just call, I'm just repeating what you said, boss, because I want to hammer home the, pa- the 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 point that there's a lack of intentionality here from yeah. from uh, glorious Ted Lasso. Yeah, I want and to also, really start to fester inside. Coach. Yeah, I knew. I, I was like, why, <laughs> why why can't you just make your point and move? Why you got to make it personal now? You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, Jamie is actually shook, and and he's like, "What the fuck just happened?" Uh, no, no, sorry. Before that happens, he, Jamie's, he rubs his head. Jamie does not like it. Uh, I, I'm guessing he takes so much pride in his hair that he doesn't like it to be must. Um, there's a look between uh, Nate, and uh, who looks at Beard and Ted, like I told you so kind of thing. Uh, Dr. Fieldstone is jotting down her notes, which Ted turns and sees. And then Colin comes over, and he leans down. He says, who's the worm now? Not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I loved that. I laughed. And and Jamie, the scene ends with Jamie goes, what the fuck just happened? Like mm-hmm. t- totally, uh, y- you know, I, I'm, I'm out of Tatooine and I'm in the cantina and people's arms are getting chopped off. Um, it's, it's a view of a new world. I can't get past the not me. Like, of course you said that Colin, of course you did. Right. Right. That's it. That's all I had to say about it. No, no, no. It's true. That's like a very, it feels like a very Jamie line from season one. You know, like it, it, that's the type of thing where you go, um, uh, you know, what is two thumbs and, and dances like a like a dynamo or something. And then you say, like, me, this I'm the guy. one. To, yeah, right. we got wow. it. like, you know, what I more thought about, I don't know if you guys watched all of Parks and Rec, but uh, John Ralphio and his rapping and always ending it one word too late. And so it's <laughs> something, something. Right. The big Ben clock. And then they're like, you got to end it on the rhyme. Like, <laughs> that's what I thought about. Yeah, no, very true. That's a good, that's, that's really good. Um, now we cut back to Rebecca and Nora. Um, I am at this point uh, uh, feeling my, my hackles come up again. I'm like, oh, great. More Nora. Awesome. Um, and um, they're going down, uh, walking down the street to see, uh, they're walking down the street and Rebecca suggests they go see a show. Um uh, maybe the mouse trap. She asks. Um, mouse trap uh, is uh, Agatha Christie play where someone dies every performance. Um, Nora says, "Yeah, if that's what you want to do." They pass by a British girl's shop. Look like a, looks like an American doll shop. I don't really not familiar with it, but um, she asks uh, Rebecca asks Nora if she wants to pop in. Nora says she doesn't really play with dolls anymore. Good for Nora for constantly sort of either redirecting or trying to reinforce the position like I am not a baby. I thought Rebecca got it the first time, but apparently it's taking her several times, uh, which again, I can't plays again. A coach, you would say this is like, oh, let's be part of her journey in, in, in whatever. But I'm like, God, this, is she a dunderhead? Like how many times does a 13 year old have to tell her she's not six before it like Rebecca gets it? And 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 maybe it's just she's like okay I'm gonna throw enough at the wall maybe something will stick right um, yeah I but, think she's yeah. definitely at 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 sea or whatever you want to call it but I think it's not only the six year old things right like 
she just doesn't know what to do with her. So she's like, we can go see this play that mostly old people see, or I don't know, play with dolls. Like she just, to me, this was just her like reaching, like realizing my plan or plans are dead on arrival. And now what do I do? So that, that was more how I experienced it. But I mean, yes, if the other thing bothered you, then yes, it makes sense that this would be like, Oh my God, not again. Well, Nora's got some good lines. Like, besides, why do all their dolls have to be tragically orphaned? Edith's parents died in a, a war. Emma's had scurvy. Um, and then there's this great line from Rebecca. Yes, the Americans really do the historical doll concept better, don't they? Must be their innate sense of triumph, however misguided. Chef's kiss. Ah, uh, so good. And I just watched, I just watched uh, uh, last night, I watched um, A Fish Called Wanda with my kids where – Kevin Klein oh, goes, oh, you British are so superior. You know where you'd be without us? The great old US of A, the biggest fucking island in the Russian Empire. And I was like, oh, this is so funny. Like, <laughs> you know, looking at the different points of view, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, however misguided. Their innate sense of triumph, however misguided. I was like, wow, wow. That is... That stings. It, it reminded me. It's not the same point, but it has the it has the energy. I'm trying to remember who said it, but they they said, "Oh, I'm I'm British. We ran the world before you did." I remember just like thinking, oh, <laughs> "Wow!" I remember just being like, "Oh shit!" But it was like a really you know, but the same kind of energy. Like, oh, uh, like in a way, the United States is like uh, right now, like in this moment. I would say is pretty much like a, a, a troubled teenager. And I think the UK for sure, but whatever. Like I think uh, other countries that have been around longer and seen more and had to deal with certain things really do look at us the way, you know, adults would look at a troubled teenager like, oh, is your heart broken? Yeah, that's a thing. This isn't the first broken heart ever. You know, so I, I like the energy of it because we are uh, we are kind of full of shit. Frankly, uh, I just thought of it when I was in London earlier this year, I got to meet up with a few of my friends. It was a great time. And at some point they said something to me about, oh, well, you know, you're American enthusiasm. And I was like, there's never been a person who's called me enthusiastic about anything ever in my entire <laughs> life. Right. Can you imagine if you are the enthusiast, like, like how like, the, the lack of enthusiasm? Mean? Yeah. What do you guys do if outside I this country? If I am the cheerful, friendly one in the group, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the, it's the hope that kills you indeed. Wow. Jeez, uh, Pete. Self, self-burn. Um. Uh, no one's does uh yeah, but no one does or the orphans better than us Brits. Uh, and then lo and behold, uh, Roy Kent and and his his niece Phoebe come out of the British girl shop, and I felt like I was dying up till this point in the episode, and then I felt like oh god, thank god, okay, whew, mm. it's Ted Lasso again. Like this is great, thank god, thank god, thank mm. god. I feel that way every time I see Roy Kent on screen. I I don't know why. Maybe maybe inherently or or, or innately, I'm thinking. He is the living uh, sort of uh, personification of the lasso way. I don't know, but I I love him, and he's and he's at least interesting. Well, I uh, think I think you're right though that he does represent. He does the most sort of clear traversing of this territory from like what guys were and could be considered to like where this seems to be headed, where he has legit 
advice on like whether Rebecca should date some guy. Like I think a 20 to 30 year ago version of him thinks like, eh, dude's a douchebag, but he's not going to say anything. One, and he's certainly not going to frame it around. You're wonderful. You deserve to feel thunderstruck or, you know, the, whatever the phrase was, I lost that. But um, yeah, so I think you're right that, yeah, as, as Roy goes, so goes the show. Uh, we're back at uh, uh, Richmond. Sam is on the bike, texting with his father. There, the the Sam on the bike scenes to me had the very had a had a real reshoot feel to them. Um, and and I, I mean, I'm sh- sure I'm wrong about it, but it had this s- sort of something about. I'm like, God, is this a is this like a, a second unit? Like doing this it just feels like it's not congruent with whatever, but whatever. Um, it felt like, oh shit, we need this and we didn't get it. Let's send a team out to just light Sam in some room with a bike. Mm-hmm. We don't need any other actors. We'll keep it. We don't have to have dev day players. We don't have, it's like, you can feel, you know, like the line producer getting involved in this scene where they're like, we can't afford X, Y, and Z. You're like, yeah. listen, all we need is like a, college film crew um my you know <laughs> my cousin earl can do it you know it's like it felt like that to me but anyway um they that. do a really good job on the inserts so you know this is the scene where we say sam uh, Bra- you know proud proudly shares his um uh, uh his photo shoot with his father who it doesn't go well he's uh, sorry that you you know it's, to see you choose to be a shill for a corporation that has ruined the lives of so many breaks my heart um, and again, like we have like now we're establishing a character over text. I'm like, that is so weird, man. It's so weird not to have like a split screen w- where we see the guy. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, but it, it weirdly, I guess sort of works. But for me, I'm like, wow, it, it, it is, it, it's a, that feels uh, dangerous to me. But, but, uh, you know, if it works, it works. And maybe uh, people are so conditioned to attribute. Uh, meaning to texts and the visual, the, the visualization of like just the screen of your phone, and we all use it so much, and there is involvement in it that maybe those rules are out the window now. So I don't know. I'm going to have a lot more to say about this later as plots develop more, but I think that that only works when you know both people on both sides of the text conversation. Keely reading the Twitter feed makes sense because that's related to Roy. And we are very familiar with Keely and Roy. Conversations between Keely and Roy make sense to us. I think that the second that you introduce an unknown character into a text conversation, it loses its grounding in reality because we are projecting what we think Sam's dad is like onto this character that we have very little information on. And I feel like that's something that they rely on a lot on the show, and I don't know that it works as well as they imagined it would. Okay, so uh, jumping back to, uh, let's see, we are now, uh, the next scene where we are, um, oh, sorry, Sam is heartbroken at the end of the last scene. Obviously, he doesn't want to disappoint his dad. He's a good boy. And then we cut back to Rebecca and Nora. And, and like, Sam is, like, pedaling in the dark. I'm like, oh, it's late night. Wasn't it like sort of dark in the, when he was pedaling? I'm like, oh, he's in a dark room. Maybe, maybe I, yeah. I'm misremembering no, no. it. No, no, no. But I was You're like, right. I, I sort of thought that was an establishing shot to say like, oh, time has passed. Now it's the night. Um, but I guess not. Um, and so we were back with Rebecca Nora and like no time has passed. It's like a match cut from earlier. And now it's Nora and Phoebe uh, walking out in front of Rebecca and Sam uh, I'm sorry, uh, I said Sam, Rebecca and um, Roy. 
And Nora asked Phoebe how her doll's parents died, which I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I'm like, God, I don't, I have no, like really no, no, specific no. rules kids, about. British kids yeah. are very morbid. You could ask them about any death and they're fine with it. Hmm. Interesting. I promise. Okay. I don't really promise. I don't have that much in, uh, exposure with British children. I just sort of think of them as being very morbid and living in manors out on moors. But uh, God, I was like wincing. I'm like, oh my God, factory, factory fire. I'm like, okay. She's like, how did her doll's parents die? And then she says, eaten by rats. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I, like, I, if my kids talk to like one of my little ones that way or somebody else's little, I would like, that would be it. That would be, I, I, there's not much that's going to make me, uh, you know, pop off into an inferno of rage, but, uh, you know, in sort of a, an effort to protect, uh, uh, you know, innocence versus experience, I always say protect people's innocence with little kids, protect their innocence because once it's gone, it never comes back. So you don't say to a little girl, like, or a little boy, whatever, eaten by rats is terrible. Um, then we get the line, no, Zoe's from the modern line. Her parents were canceled. I'd like to know what reactions were to that particular joke. I, I, I'll share in a moment, but I actually want to be, I, I, I'm going to toss out a question this time. Like, d- yeah, any reaction one way or another to that joke? I just thought, ah, Jesus Christ. Like, that's a very zeitgeisty, pot shot type of throwaway, not very well-crafted joke. Yeah, and I thought, boy, that's the joke that'll age worst on this whole show. Like, of all the jokes that they mm. say, like, that is a terrible, terrible, over overly in-the-know joke for a six-year-old, and so not believable, but also just like, it's like a, <laughs> get off your Twitter timeline before you uh, write that joke. But again, love the staff, love the writing staff, not, not, <laughs> sounds, sounds like I'm criticizing, I'm just saying, that joke, uh, ugh, man, I, I just don't think it's gonna age well. I yeah, I agree. I was I I have a thing, so I realize I I come into it with a bias. But the whole thing of people complaining about cancel culture, you know, tends to get under my skin a bit. So I couldn't tell. I wasn't sure if it was just my knee jerk, ah, shut up already about cancel culture, or if that it was broader than that. And it sounds like yes, it was broader than that. So. I yeah I didn't I didn't love that her, her parents were canceled joke, and I think now that I've said it out loud, I think part of what I didn't like is I didn't believe it was true. I don't think that would actually be what they would have, but also I didn't believe that Phoebe would make that joke. Then, like if it's not true, then Phoebe's like not. playing into this exchange in a way that I don't see. And if it is true, I'm like, really? Like, they put out a line of dolls where somebody's parents got canceled, and that's why they need to be adopted? Like, that doesn't work. So, yeah. And here we thought we... It fell we, flat for me. Yeah. Oh. And and you hear that, and you're like, oh, actually, hearing that, eat, being eaten by rats doesn't sound so bad uh, all of a sudden. <laughs> so um, so we, mo- we move back to Roy and Rebecca chatting. Uh, Roy asks about, about John, John uh, Wings Night. Um, it's it's two for one wings night at PJ Flats. I um, thought the same thing, but go ahead. Uh, Rebecca says she dumped him, and Roy asks it's because of what he said. She says she dumped him, and I was like, I had this visceral reaction because mm. I I oh my god, it was like I would I remember telling my friends like in in high school or grade school, like I was like, you never fucking say you dumped somebody. 
you never do that um, because it's just shitty to everybody else. And it sets you up as if you're the fucking predator or you're in control. I was like, but the classy thing is, is to always say like, yeah, no, we split up and whatever, mm. but you never say I fucking dumped anybody because it just shows that you're, you like, uh, you know, you have a tiny, like infinitesimally small penis. Um, and you need to like, you know, lord it over people. And, and then you're just, you're running someone else down. It's a terrible thing to do. Oh, it didn't. I'm curious what, Bo- what boss's reaction was. I didn't have at all that reaction. If it, it struck me. No, 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 no. This as- is a personal, this is a personal thing. So oh, the okay. Rebecca thing, I'm like, I thought it was, I didn't, I saw the scene where she quote unquote dumped him and she didn't even know she was doing it. So her making it like an active choice the way she suggests here was not congruent with what i saw which was she passively arrived at it by ruminating on some other things and then he was just like oh did we just break up she's like oh sorry i guess he's like all right great i'll get uh and she's like i'll get the coffee and he's like cheers yeah thanks and i i always say i like uh john's john wingstein i think uh patrick uh balfour is that the actor he did a great job and um, that was a really hard role to be somebody that is just short of likable. It's always hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I was like, oh, I thought it was weird. Yeah, no, the, the dumping stuff is my personal thing. Cause I just, Got it. I always hated that growing up. And I, and, I, and I still like, I just, it's always like, why does it have to be so, this, I feel like it sets this whole country up for our divorce numbers. Where it's like one person has to be the the dump, the, like I, you know, yeah, and that means ever someone else is the dumpy, and it's like, what well, good? Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't ever age well. Mm-hmm. It's much better to be like, yeah, we split up, and then they hear through the grapevine, oh, you know, he no, he said you guys broke up, and but it wasn't. I broke up was the term, like it wasn't split up, it was we broke up, and and then it's like who who cares? But but the my friends would counter and say, if you say you broke up, they assume she dumped you. Oh, I guess that plays into. So I did, they were like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to feel like I got dumped and people have the wrong idea, like, because there is a social status to it. And I was like, oh God, this is all so gross. Anyway. Um, yeah, I didn't get that sense from her. Uh, Roy asks, uh, if it's because of what he said and he, she says, no, it's because you were right about what you said. Um, Roy asks what she's going to do now. Rebecca says, Keely told her to start using banter, uh, the dating app that has no pictures. Uh, what now? So you just get a bunch of unsolicited descriptions of dicks. <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. That's very smart. Very, very smart. Yeah. Uh, God, I, I, love I, I loved that joke. It was so, for me, it was so clever. And like, in a way that, may, and this is, now this is my personal thing, but like, I feel like as I've tried to pay more attention and not be, you know, such a Neanderthal of a man, and you start hearing things from women like, you're like, oh, shit, you go through that. Oh, shit, you go through that. It just seemed to me that like whether in a conversation with Keely or maybe he bumped into some article, I don't know. But I could see Roy being like, these guys are seriously like sending pictures of their dicks to people. Like, I, I know when I first heard that was like, men, a of, men of a certain age, I, men of a certain age. It I'm feels like, fucking insane. I'm, I'm like, like, I don't understand. You did. Are you serious? What? Yeah. No, it's uh, it's mind blowing to me that this is a thing. And that it's a thing to the point that like women are like, dear God, please make it stop. Like, I just, I'm blown away by the whole thing. So, um, yeah, I thought that was like right on point for Roy to reference it. 
I love that joke. It also made me think that I just need to make very, very clear. The issue with the dick pics is the unsolicited nature of them. It is that they're often one of the opening overtures to a stranger on the phone that you send them a, a picture of your penis. And I always think of Liz Lemon on 30 Rock. When Tracy Jordan and his wife uh, say to her, you better get out of the dressing room because this is happening right now. And as she's backing out, she says, oh, you start with that? And that, like, I can't not think it. <laughs> this is this is your opening line. Your opening line is your member. All right. That's okay. Well, this isn't happening then. All right. I, I mean, it's got to work, though, at some point, right? Like, so I, I think, like, it would have been a tradition that, had died or, or like a, a practice that uh, would meet a quick and, and uh, you know, you know, sort of, sort of horrific death had not it worked. And I'm like, wait, is that, well, that actually doesn't work. I'm like, holy fuck. Like that's it's even did, worse. I, there, uh, Listen, I'm not going to exclude, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that there is somebody out there for whom that has worked or it worked one time. There was a story on, uh, NPR, I think, years ago about how one guy cat called a woman and they ended up getting married. So it has to work sometimes. What I'm going to say, unfortunately, is that most of the time it does work in accomplishing what it wants. And that is for the guy to feel like he is allowed to send you a dick pic and there's nothing you could do about it. Because that's also mm. a thing that uh, that's so gross. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. God, yes. that's so gross. It's a power oh, man, play. Ne- Yikes. It's oh. absolutely a power play. Which is Yuck. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's it's great out there. I get it. I get it. I don't know that I didn't think of it quite that, but yeah, I get it. Yep. Yikes. I wish you could see the <laughs> the look of abject disgust <laughs> on my face. As I'm like processing that concept, like, I'm gonna send you a picture of my dick, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, oh yeah, I, my yeah, God. I already thought it was gross, and now I'm like, damn, like it's like gross and fucked up, like like on a whole other level I hadn't even thought about. But okay, if there's ever a chance that we get any artwork for this podcast, I really hope it's both of you. In abject horror, processing something I just said while I cackle in the background. Yeah, that's most of this podcast. Yeah, yeah that is yeah. true. Yeah. So Phoebe asks Uncle Roy if they can ice cream for dinner. He says, no, that's dumb. She says, you're right. Thank you for helping me to set boundaries. Something she would never in a trillion years say. Never. Um, right. Only to, only written to service the concept and hammer into. This is the thing. This show doesn't seem to be written for. Okay. This show, one of the reasons uh, Coach and I both gravitated toward it was because it felt like it was written by people who were friends of ours or people like who wanted to be the kind of men mm-hmm. we aspire to be. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. wanted to p- paint a picture of a world where this type of men, man exists. And so um, the non-dick pic sending men, the men who are horrified about the entire premise of the, the dick pic uh, – uh, procedure and so th- they didn't dumb it down in in season one. It just felt like they they wouldn't do the things that are like these network notes where you say like okay make sure you say it three times mm-hmm. so all the dumb people get it right and then this one was like this feels like a a line you're right thank you for some boundaries this feels like a line so that the 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 slow people in the back 
who don't understand what the premise they're trying to set up with Rebecca is are, uh, you know, you hit, you hit, you hit the ring the bell one more time for their benefit. I'm like, God damn it. I don't want to see that on this show. Anyway, Rebecca's taken aback and, uh, uh, well, she's not taken aback, but she's stunned by the, by the response. And Roy establishes, you know, that most kids, um, think uh, most adults think kids need to be constantly entertained it's bullshit i didn't need a fucking parade every day growing up did you truth is they just want to feel like they're a part of our lives little idiots watch this uh roy asks if he would go wants to go to his podiatrist appointment later she says yes please <laughs> um so you know okay fine for the purposes of this world and this universe um someone maybe it's sudeikis maybe it's someone in, in, with power has established that uh Kids don't need to be entertained. I know first, and if I said to any of the uh, my four children, if they'd like to go to a podiatrist appointment, they would be like, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" They'd be like, "Uh, uh no. Like, why would I ever do that?" So but it, that's not my experience. But okay. But but I would call out that there's a difference between your father asking you that and your super cool older cousin who you aspire to be just like asking you that or your uncle who comes to town once every two years asking you like yeah that's a fair point you know what i mean and i so i took it i i got that kind of energy off of it and i mean i can remember times one older cousin just specifically came to mind and i can remember times that I literally just got in his passenger seat as he went through whatever the fuck his day was going to be in the first place, like stopping off at some store, like literally nothing other than, isn't this cool? I get to hang out with you. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get the car washed. Wow. Like ridiculous. Yeah. My nieces don't even idolize me, but the last time we hung out, I was like, so who's going to Target? And they're like, let's do this. And then we hung out at Target while they like looked at toys. I didn't even buy them anything. They looked at stuff and then I think I got them Starbucks and it's a great day. Great day of babysitting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's a valid point. And um okay, so uh and whatever. It's the point that the show is making, and so it's fine. Um, we, we cut to that night at, um, at, at Rebecca's house and Nora is, um, it's, this is a weird, they don't do time cuts like this, which is, is I mean, typically on the show, the show, they don't, um, uh, take the same characters and jump them forward in time. They usually have a sort of a, a different Go interspersed else cut from, yeah, yeah. They yeah, usually yeah, yeah. do that. That's like a real, uh, sort of tried and true practice on, on at least the first season. But anyway, we move forward to that night at Rebecca's house. Um, she says if she asks if she wants a scary movie and we can make popcorn. And Nora makes a joke about Rebecca finally learning how to cook. Um, this was the scene I think of as, um, and coach, listen, this, I'm trying to be as, <laughs> I'm trying to be as, as polite and, and, uh, you know, but also as honest as I can, because the thing that jumped out at me is the scene is Rebecca was in this tight sweater and she opened the door and I thought, Oh my God, like she is, she is like, she's just stacked. Like like Rebecca is so curvy. And so she's just like such a, like, I don't know. I was just like, good Lord. Like whatever they put her in, just, I was just like, wow, that is a choice. Like does does she have breasts? I hadn't, (laughs) I mean, I understand you're a Neanderthal, so you you noticing. 
I know it was just me. I'm sure no. I'm the only one that noticed. I mean, holy cow! Not on, she, not on this podcast. Not the only one that she noticed. opened that door, and I was like, "Well, hello." I I did notice the sweat. So I was just going to. I say just don't know how you're. Go ahead. Sorry, but I just don't know how you can't know. I was like, "This you have this, to notice. There's oh, no yeah, way yeah. to no, not notice that That's in this one shot and with what she's wearing." I'm like, "That it, yeah." I want to hear what boss has to say, but I have a thought on that. But yeah, boss, you were you were about to say something. Sorry. The only thing I was going to say this this string of scenes that we're having here, basically, since we left the pitch, nothing that has happened has made any impact on me whatsoever. There is an actor whose name I am not going to bring up because this is going to be a rude thing that I say about him. But when he is on screen, I forget that he's there. Like I find him so incredibly boring that I can't pay attention. To what, when he is talking at me as the audience, I can't pay attention to him. And I felt similarly about this string of scenes where I was like, I don't care about the dolls. Wait, boss, are you saying an actor on this? Are you saying an actor on this show? show? Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure. Okay, all right. It's, um, I don't want to say anything. Don't, no, no, don't, no, no, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Um, uh, but it rhymes with rom bruise. I'm kidding. I was trying to say Tom Cruise. I I, I was joking. No, no, it's not Tom Cruise. I was just kidding. Tom Cruise is fine. He's fine. He's he's good. He's a he's a movie star. All right, keep going. Sorry. um, So this string of scenes for me, I was like, all right, well, somebody's doing something else, and they're talking. As the scenes are happening, I'm forgetting what's going on because this did not make an impact on me until Rebecca was wearing that sweater, and then I did need to pay attention. Because she looks great in it. I don't remember what she said. I remember that she was talking and that she looks great and that she should wear that sweater all of the time. But it's the only thing that stood out during like a 10 minute stretch of this episode. Okay, not my experience, though. I will also vote in favor of that sweater. Now, what I will say is I really liked. I thought this was a, a very important scene, actually, because... Her getting, understanding Nora all the better in this moment. And I felt that it had been set up in season one because she's specifically taking pictures because she's one of the four women in football, blah, blah, blah. And Ted points out somewhere out there, there's a, there's a girl, there's a little girl, you know, reading this thinking, oh, wow, I can be that. And there really was a girl out there. And it was this girl. And I thought that I thought that I thought that mattered. I thought it spoke to representation. I thought it spoke to how important it is that she's a woman running this club, that she has a day of meetings tomorrow to take Nora through. Like it wasn't like she's just like, oh, I'm just gonna gather everybody who works for me so they can tell you I'm awesome. She's like, I got I got shit to do tomorrow. But you're welcome to come with me while I do this shit. So I I, I it really resonated for me. And I thought that Nora's reaction to it. Right. As opposed to let's go, you know, to the doll store or let's, you know, eat little sandwiches spoke to like what she's about and 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 who she is as a as a character, which may also play into the bandana thing, which I took more as like, I don't give a shit about my hair, <laughs> which I was like, cool. Like, I bought that from her. Like from Nora, I was like, I bet Nora is like, what am I supposed to do? Like. Spend, you know, an hour and a half getting ready like the dumb girls I know from school. Like, fuck that shit. I did not make that connection. And now I do like it a little bit more. So you did win me over on that point. Yay. Yes, it's happened. All right. 
Ugh. I, did uh, we get our feelings all over you? I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't like. Uh, I don't like. I, I wonder if like. I, I had this idea when I put the podcast together to have two people um, with me, and I'm wondering if I should switch the two people at some point <laughs> um, so I can yeah. have other people other than you two <laughs> congratulating each other and um, joking around. Um, <laughs> but then again, you are my boss, so I guess yeah. we'll leave it up to you. We'll leave yeah. it up to you, Bone. A little, well, a little respect, buddy. Um, okay, so we have uh, uh, the Nora uh, and Rebecca thing. She's going to go to the to the club. Yay! I'm so happy to have more Nora. Um, now um, uh, we are in the alleyway outside. Okay, it's the next morning. Uh, Ted comes out to the alley with his coffee. It was nice to see it. I just like that. I just wish it was beard. I'm like, you know, I just, I, I'm like, we're not getting these little touchstones that I, that I like so much. But Shannon is there, who you might remember was um, a girl who played soccer with uh, Ted and C- or football. And in this case, uh, Ted on the on the uh, sidewalk in season mm-hmm. one, um, and played uh, with she, and played with Ted's kid when the final break yes, went down. Yeah, that's right. Good, good call. Yes, that's great. Um, she asks when they're finally going to win a match. He says, "Geez, Louise, not even beard comes at him that strong." Uh, and he says, you know, usually we'll be like, what's the word, Larry Bird? And I'm like, what's the word, Larry Bird? Is just a rhyme. It, this is again, this is the, this it's just a rhyme. It's, it doesn't do anything. It's not, it's not. There's like, no movement it, it, to it. Isn't Larry Bird also the biggest shit talker in the history of the NBA? Wasn't there just an article in the Athletic? Yeah, and he's, yeah he's, he was legendary. Like, legendary, yeah, yeah. getting in people's head, oh, yeah, total, yeah. Di- which is weird for like a, Indiana farm boy or whatever, but yeah. okay. Um, I guess, yeah, that's why you don't um, typecast people from Indiana. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, don't call, she says, don't call me Larry Bird, and, and when are we going to win a fucking match? And he says, yeah, like that much better. And I go, wait, that's a cut. Why is this scene, what, we didn't, what did we move along story-wise here? What What is the... I guess that that Beard had to run away, he, you know, because basically she said, oh, he, he mumbled the name Jane and then sprinted away. And mm-hmm. uh, she says, OK, so so we're like, OK, so I'm like the point of the scene is to show us that um, that Beard has something on all with Jane. I'm like, no, no, this feels like a when you're like, oh, Shannon, don't worry, I'm going to get you in this season, too. Oh, and really? How? Yeah, like him, like him doing her a solid because I feel like I read like she was just somebody on the street, and that was in like, the first in the yeah. But, you, uh, but you, I could be wrong. You, I'm like I don't understand what we learned here. You may be right. Um, what I took from it, I didn't think it was like you know the most impactful scene ever, you know, filmed. But th- what I did take it from was it, ro- the rosebud scene in Citizen Kane. It was comparable to <laughs> that. exactly, exactly right. Um, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Like this, it's it's on the short list. Um, but yeah, I thought that, um, <laughs> but I thought that it was, it was that the, the talk of how the team is doing is that widespread. And I think that it's not, no, that folks aren't just like that, that the not, that they're not winning is a thing. And it's not just a thing, you know, that a couple of reporters are asking about, like out and about. That that's that's the tenor right now. Is that you know when's Richmond going to start winning? Like 
the rest of this is cool and all. So that 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 was I that's thought what it I was, got there. Okay, I thought it was. Look at the last scene was uh, was Rebecca um, inviting Nora. Mm-hmm. You have an alleyway scene, and the next scene is Nora and Rebecca arrive at Richmond. And I thought, okay, that's a reshoot. They added that because they edited it, and they go, oh my god, we've had all these. We have three. Nora times. And you, can't, you can't have that. Mm. You can't have Maybe. three. You may be right. So, so they just wedged this thing in there to try to, you know, distract people. And then now we're Nora and Rebecca. Anyway, Nora and Rebecca are moving through the hallway at Richmond. Um, Rebecca is explaining how to be an effective boss. Something. I haven't seen. I'm glad she can say that, but I haven't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we seen that? But okay, um, maybe we, that's debatable. Um, so being the boss isn't just about reacting to situations; it's also about anticipating them as well. You need to be three, four steps ahead of everyone else around you. I'm like, what? Who? What? Oh, like where? Ha- when has she done that? Where? Mm. Like yeah. that—that that is mm-hmm. maybe that's something great in a management uh, book you read or something. But like, I have seen you mm. uh, obsess over the 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 you know whatever Br- Britain's version of the Inquirer is on your on your you know sla- slamming down your your MacBook. But like, what did I? What have we seen where she's anticipating anything? Or uh, I mean, I think Higgins might be three or four steps ahead in certain cases. But I'm like. Huh, I don't... I'm going to push back a little bit. I'm going to push back here. Her move getting rid of Jamie, albeit evil. Yes. She was way out in front, and she saw them all drinking and yucking it up, and she was like, time is up. (laughs) You got to get him out of here. Now, we about to succeed. So I will say that that was a situation where that was true. But I, I don't disagree that we haven't seen her have the kinds of meetings she describes or much of her being the executive that she's describing here. But I do think we we're aware of her in that. Role. I just want to put a note that I would really like that. I was really excited to see that version of Rebecca, which is one of the reasons that I felt a little disappointed this season. And again, this is where I fighting with you and the other guys. I said, oh, shoot, I really want to see that. And they're like, well, who gives a shit what you want to see? That's not what the show is. So, you know, yes, but my, but I, I, I feel like my my way of rooting for Rebecca is to root for her to be what she describes in that in that sentence, and I don't get to see it as much as I see other versions of her, mm-hmm. which you might think, oh well, they're just highlighting the imperfections in order to show her growth. And and there's I can understand that. I guess it's just not what I hoped. What you see. wanted to see. No, I got it. And and I did push back on it because I did I do think when we fall in love with, and I really mean this broadly, like I'm not giving you a hard time. I think when we fall in love with shows or even mu- like artists of any kind, musicians, whatever, I think there is a, um, I think there's almost like a, a demand that they do it again. It felt so good. Do that again. And so part of my pushback in terms of season two is, well, they did that. And now I see, and I feel like they, it is a, they are, it's an extension of what they did, but it's not the same thing again. It's not looking to repeat that exact um, experience. And for one of the things, I think a lot of things that were cute or that we sort of like could skate past in season one, we were forced to really look at and deal with the reality of them in season two. And I did appreciate that. And I do think some of that came at the expense of maybe some of that more magical 
what happened in the match, what's going on in the pitch. Um, yeah, I think I think that probably did force some of that out or not make it so there wasn't enough room for it. Uh, I, I will grant you that. Um, one thing I also, if there ever was anyone on the writing staff listening to this or anyone who uh, was watching along, this could this might just be a setup for the Higgins joke that's coming next. So it might just be a throwaway line that we're attributing meaning to. Um, in which case, I don't want to seem like we're obtuse and we don't understand how a joke how is a joke constructed. Works, right, right. Yeah, it's like you know, three or four steps ahead of everyone around you, and then she botches the joke with Higgins, where he says, "Oh, I loved the email you sent; it was brilliant." You know, and then she's and Nora says, "You blew that," um, and she agrees. By the but, way, uh, the, Nora yeah. says, "You blew that." Almost with the exact intonation as Sassy says, um, I was going to meet him, you know, at the at, in the hotel lobby when she says, but I think I fucked it. And it, it's like, a very, oh. I just know I noticed like I was like, oh, I don't know if they did that on purpose as writers or if the actress had some sense of like hanging out with the other act, the, the you know, the young actress who plays Nora. But it felt like I bought in that moment like, oh, yeah, that's her mama. All right. I was like, wow. That's really that's really great if that works. Like, yeah, that, that's a that's a great uh, great ear on that. Um, the next cut, we move into Rebecca's office. Um, so, with the exception of the Shannon scene, which I thought was again wedged in, this would be four Rebecca and Nora scenes in a row. Um, uh, she she now you know if if we assume that last setup from her about working was a was a was a joke setup rather than had meaning the next line also is she says so you have your own private sanctum and she opens it and keely's got a mm-hmm. feet on her desk mm-hmm. um which was she likes the light and the absence of smells which i think is great that's funny um now she introduces the two keely is appropriately excited and you know she loves sassy and uh now we have nora seeing the banter papers on the desk and asks what it is keely says it's a side hustle gig and the company wanted some PR work from her. So she's, you know, that's, that's good that uh, Keely's getting work on the side. Mm-hmm. And Nora says, cool, what's the hook? And Rebecca and Keely share a um, look like, oh, well, hey. Mm-hmm. She's sharp. Right. Like, I'm dying at this point because I, I, I'm just like, I don't want Nora anywhere near this show. Uh, the, the Nora character, again, uh, again, I want to make sure. Not the actress. It. Yeah. Not the, not the actor. And, and, uh, oh, the actors I thought are. she did great. Yeah. I thought she did a great job. And, um, I'm just like, oh, God, like, okay. Okay. Like, great. She's now, we, now she's going to say things like, what's the hook at 13 and sit there with a, like a, they gave her this look like where she's like waiting to be sort of, Get, waiting to get the pitch and i'm like i don't buy any of it like i'm so checked out and i'm like god so this is terrible like what where is jamie where is roy right now like where where is uh like i'm, I'm thrilled to be with keely but like i don't need keely telling a kid about i'm like and then and then the concept is the app and i'm like oh god it's just this confluence of all these things that i'm finding myself un unintentionally not caring about mm. i yeah no it continues because i like I like this a lot. And I, for me, it felt like she's a sharp, she's a sharp kid. And I don't, I feel like being aware that like a company has a pitch or there's going to be a hook. If you had an app, like what's like, I don't, 
I don't think that's as like off in adult world to kids today as might have okay, been the okay, case okay. for us then. So I like I I okay, I, I, okay. Did, I and did you're going to defend that. No, I know, I know, but like I, my my plan here, I, I want to. I'm trying to move this this bad boy along yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as much as I can. My plan here was to say to you and Bone, okay. I'm going to list out all these characters on Ted Lasso, Mm -hmm. okay? And you tell me if they're good characters. And I would say, Ted Lasso, and you'd say, yes. Mm -hmm. I'd say, uh, Coach Beard, and you'd say, Mm -hmm. say, yes, he's a good guy. I'd say, Roy, yes. Mm -hmm. And we go down the list, and there's 31 good characters. Mm -hmm. So why are we introducing another character? Why? You have other characters that could do this. Like, why does it have to be a kid and like sassy Smurfs kid. And like, I'm just like, why? I don't care. Like, but I you, think you, had, you had all getting, the weapons at your disposal, but that this is how we get to know stinky though. Eh. <laughs> Those characters are of this world. I think the life she left behind, like all of that and her now wanting to make up for it and what she represents to Nora and all. I think that is, I think that's a, a view of her as a whole person that you wouldn't have in the other case, because she, that stuff she left behind matters, mattered to her at least. So that's that really is my response. Like I, 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 I well, it's going to come up here in a moment, but I think it's interesting that in this sequence that unfolds, we we have um, Keely sitting in the in the in the boss's seat. And by the end of this whole sequence, we have Nora sitting in the boss's seat. And I and for me, that felt like them showing like how this now gets passed down. Just like for years. I remember once having a meeting at the Four Seasons with this lawyer, and he brought his kid. And this 13-year-old just sort of sat there with me and my writing partners and his dad and some whoever else was there. And me thinking like, you know, this morning I was nervous. I was nervous to come to this meeting. I don't eat breakfast at the Four Seasons. This is all very foreign to me. And I realized when it's this kid's turn to have his meeting at the Four Seasons, that shit is going to be normal to him. He's going to know he wants eggs Benedict because he loves how they make it there. He's so I I I I experienced the scene that way as like the boss, the sort of like the boss in trading, and then like the boss in training and training um in our interacting in the scene i think that you are right in what they were trying to accomplish i think that what they were trying to accomplish was wrong for this season Mm. and that they overstuffed a lot of the plots and characters i think they needed to have somebody come through and kill off a lot of their darlings to borrow that phrase Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because there's too much that they tried to have go on with Rebecca in the season to make this important enough that it was as impactful as it needed to be to justify having Nora in this episode. Like if if what they wanted to do was show what Rebecca had been like, if she'd never met Rupert, that needed to be the whole season that needed to be her entire thing this season. And they decided to go in a different direction and that's fine, but you can't have both and have both of them be the thing that we are connecting with through that character in the season. I'm going to rewatch with that in mind. I hear I hear you. It was no no, I really am. I'm going to read this episode specifically. I'm going to rewatch with that in mind. It was not my experience, but that that resonates with what you just said. So. So yeah. were you guys were you guys thinking like coach, specifically this is a question for you um because what we do better on this show is mansplain than anyone and um, <laughs> Oh, want, I'm good. We I, I want can to vouch keep for that. 
Yeah. <laughs> quiet, boss. Quiet. Well, Jesus. actually, boss. The no. men are talking. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, I, 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 okay. Here, here's the thing. And this is, this is like a, oh God, it really, Game of Thrones was a show where this really hit me and I started to crystallize how I felt about this. But in general, I feel like you come into a show, you fall in love with it, right? And then in the back of your mind, you're looking for the resolution to sort of dangling participles. So you have these plot points, and you you come into the show with a certain expectation. So um, it's funny because uh, on one of the previous episodes, uh, Boss um, was like, oh, talking about The Bear, the show The Bear. I just started it, and... After a couple episodes, I'm like, okay, what is my, what is the next episode going to bring me? What is the what is episode three going to have? And what would I like to feel? How would I like to feel satisfied by what it's going to show me? Or sometimes you go to a show and you say like, um, oh, I, I have no expectation. I'm I'm wide open, and and they can they can do anything for me. So for me, I was I I thought that we were meant to be concerned at this point in season two with how they're going to fix the ties. And they brought in Dr. Fieldstone, this major character. And it seemed like the big question to me was how to get the team on track. And now they've introduced this variable of Jamie coming back. And I'm like, hey, like, how does that affect the team? And like, what is that? What, what, is, what is involved in all that? And what, Coach, it sounds like you're saying is to you, you were like, oh, I want to see more about Re- Rebecca's journey of the past as part, like, you know, it's equally important or, or, or somehow worthy of screen time where yeah. for me, I'm like, I'm looking for the answers to certain things that I felt like they set up that I'm not getting because they keep wedging uh, or, or, or loading the, the precious 37 minutes with <laughs> characters that don't matter who are new. And I didn't fall in love with in season one. Um, and, and I didn't sign up for, and they're not, uh, bringing any plots to resolution or any subplots of resolution because uh, they're too busy what, establishing whatever this is, which to me feels less integral. Um. Yeah, I guess I I I hear that. I but for me, I guess where I would depart from it is I do feel like. The abandoning of Sassy and Nora and the now needing to go back and address it. Like having to, because to me, if she did something like that and Sassy just disappears and she never has to take the barb from Nora saying, you're not going to disappear for another six years, are you? Then she doesn't have to actually deal with it. But she actually has to deal with the fact that she did this. It makes her out of touch with this kid. It means that she does things that come across as goofy and that she's going to have to take some time to, like, get to know, you know, but they but she does. And by the time they spend that day together, they're crafting an email at the at the end, you know, sincerely boss ass bitch. So I feel like we do watch that process. Now, I get what you're saying. You don't care about. But I, I found myself in season one when they said you made a little girl think she had done something to make you go away. I found myself caring about that little girl and being really glad that like she was going to get that. Well, video. but caring as much as caring as much as like Richmond getting relegated or caring as much as Jamie Tart coming back to play for the team or no. caring as much as, as, as Ted Lasso and beard hanging out. But, I, but well, what is it that we want to know about Ted and beard? Like, 
overwatching like scenes with Nora, anything. I would watch them walk down the street and say hi to people. I would watch them joke about uh, how they're going to, you know, what's going on with Jane. I would watch Diamond Dogs meetings. I would watch uh, anything having to do with his plan around Sam. But that's not advancing. Oh. That's not stuff that's advancing the stuff you're saying. It's like you enjoy that more. But is it really like, I feel like we get where Beard and Ted are now. I don't know. I didn't feel like, do you feel like there's something that's needing to be either launched or landed that isn't being with them? I mean, yes. I mean, a million things. So, so you're saying that, uh, the Rebecca, uh, scene, like the, the, let's say, just call it Rebecca's post, um, um, Rupert arc, right. Okay. Is, is worthy of, of screen time. Mm -hmm. Then why isn't Ted's post, uh, post, um, uh, what was his, uh, wife's name? Got it. Michelle. Yeah. yeah Michelle post Michelle arc equally worthy because he had but, uh equally terrible breakup. Where, where are Ted's, um, panic attacks at this point? Where are, you know, so like, I'm just like, these are, these are, if it's good enough for Rebecca on the show called Ted Lasso, I would think it's also good enough for Ted on a show called Ted Lasso, but I'm not getting re I'm not getting anything that moves things that I thought I was supposed to care about based on the way things had been framed. And instead I'm getting like, again, again, it sounds terrible. I know I'm not, it's not Nora. It's not relegated to Nora. No, no, I get it's, I, it's relegated to this other thing that I'm not sure. Like w what is what we're advancing? Well, yeah, let me, I'm, again, I find myself think like wanting to think as you're saying that about it. I, my, my, my initial reaction to it is if, we are in a way I feel like we are watching Ted um because one of the th I think there's a core that's good and right and real to the lasso way and then I think there's also a show around it that allows Ted to be very hidden even as he's the extrovert of all extroverts so like it's real in that it's what he has chosen to bring to people and it's impactful. But I think some of the ways in which it's not working are because, okay. He says, what are we going to do about uh, Jamie? And Nate to his credit says, let's get Dr. Sharon. Right. And then, you know what I mean? So like, but he's like, oh, no, no. So I think that those moments kind of highlight for me, that's that's what's happening is he's 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 not dealing directly, certainly with the Michelle of it all or what the hell caused it. But I think that okay. is what right. he's doing. OK, that's like a it feels like a straw man to me. But yes. OK, fine. I, I get it. Uh, uh, I I think I think. Uh, and, th and this is I don't think I'm alone in feeling like. The wheels are spinning on some of these scenes, um, but I also understand. I really do understand that people really enjoyed them, and they, and you know, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm sorry because I I want to be with you. The, the camp I want to be in is your camp. I want to be in the Coach Bishop camp. Uh, I want to be completely absorbed uh, and into the material. And I kept checking out mentally. I'm like, I, God damn it, I just don't care. Um, and, and like, but that's as much banter as it is, uh, you know, the, okay, 
uh, Keeley says it's pretty groovy. They want to be less superficial dating app alternative. It's completely anonymous, no photos. It's all about encouraging people to connect using their words and personalities. And I'm like, okay, so this is like a thing where we're going to now get somebody in the cast, like texting with someone they don't know. And we're going to, there'll be a reveal about, oh, it was really this person the whole time. I'm like, oh God, like, I just don't, like, I could just feel it on the horizon and it didn't feel fun to me and, and didn't feel like season one-esque. And so, yes, I'm reacting to all of these things. I, I like so much that you said, I wish I were in your camp. I feel like that needs to be one of the things that all of the criticism that I'm giving is also under the guise, not the guise, but with the knowledge that I want to love this shit out of this show so much. Like, I don't love things. I am not affectionate. I don't talk about how I like people or feelings or anything besides food, really. So when Ted Lasso season one came out, I was like, holy shit, there's a show about a nice guy doing nice things. And I love it. Like, there is something revolutionary just about that because I should have mocked the absolute hell out of this show. I shouldn't have liked it. So season two... It's not just that I didn't like it. It's that I was trying so hard to like it and feeling so disconnected because of some of this stuff. Like, what's Nora doing here? Why doesn't she act like a normal 13-year-old? Why are we introducing these mechanisms in order to bring about plot points that we want to explore later instead of focusing on what we think the characters would be doing in these situations. Like there were so many things that misfired for me that when I talk about how I didn't love it, I want everyone to know that I am sad about that. I want to love it. I want it to be really great. I don't want to be a bitch about this, but there are so many things in this situation. Even if I liked the scene, I'd be like, well, why the hell isn't anybody talking about how we've had eight ties? Like why isn't there getting to the meat of the matter in this instead of setting Rebecca up with a guy that she's going to dump immediately. Like where are the through points? Where are the themes to this season that we're going to be watching from start to finish? And why are we spending a lot of time on seemingly other things that aren't going to impact us two episodes from now? So I, it's not that I, don't understand what they were going for. I just don't understand how I'm supposed to connect to something that I know is going to be either a plot point later that I don't feel comes about organically or is something that isn't going to matter 30 minutes from now. Yeah, I, I echo all of those things. I want to love the show and, and it won't let me because I'm I constantly. It won't let me. Yeah, I just want to love it. <laughs> just go back to being the show that I can love and not doing all these choices but again this is like it's not like they didn't mean to they're trying to it's just like for whatever reason the the operating philosophy just didn't line up and like you know here's the thing uh we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to stop for today um and we're gonna pick up um you know from the next scene the diamond dogs meeting but but we haven't even gotten to lead tasso yet and and like when i started this episode the rewatch, I was like, oh, fuck, it's the Lead Tasso episode. Like, it's the this fucking is where, Lead Tasso episode. Right? Where oh, you're like, yeah. oh, shit, this? 
Yeah, um, no, this, yeah. This, this thing that they threw in that, again, doesn't matter in the next episode. Like, sorry, spoiler alert, we never see Led Tasso again. But we also don't really get to the reason why Ted thinks that Led Tasso is a good move to use with this team. Like, even if what they had said was, hey, Ted, how come you wanted to do that? Like, let's explore that idea. Perfect. I would have been okay with dealing with Led Tasso for those few minutes. But they don't. They throw him in. They never address it. And then we move on. And, like... I just feel like I, uh, Michelle to Ted Lasso's Ted in this season. Like, yes, I want to love you, but why the hell are you doing what you're doing? Yes. Yes. That's a great, this show is making us Michelle. Well, that's yes. interesting. That's, I, I actually think that's, we might want to go down that path. Cause I think, I think that might represent more success as you describe it to me than the way you're both experiencing it. Because I think part of it is, for me, is that part of it, this show of the last, the Ted Lasso way of doing things makes a lot of room for Ted, right? So, like, if, if I can connect to you as clever and cute as it is on Caesar You Later, right, then I don't have to have the kinds of conversations that sometimes bring people together where I say what I'm scared of. Right. Or, you know, like there are times where he does, but even when he, when he, when he does, when he does say, you know, there's something worse than being, you know, sad, being sad and alone. These are more general things, right? This isn't really him. Or when he, you know, in the Tan Lines episode, when he does the speech and we are, you know, it obviously veers into him realizing he's got to let Michelle go. You know, even then he does reveal, but in a way he's not because he pretends that he was talking about, you know, lady football the whole time and kind of moves from there. So I I don't disagree that he's that the thing that might be driving you crazy, at least one of the one of the parts is actually what also drives uh, Michelle crazy and drives her away to some degree. Because sometimes you just want to eat a donut because it's delicious and I'm not sure I need a Rosa Parks quote. <laughs> that's a very racist thing to say and if there's one takeaway yeah boy what a one what a note to end on if, if oh, there's man, one you gotta be ashamed of yourself <laughs> I love it I love it right. but yeah so we, have, so we will definitely I, yeah I had a number of reactions to that test We'll we have a lot, a lot time. to unpack next episode. If uh, if if people want to unpack with us, um, we are gonna we're gonna we're gonna stick a pin in all that, and um, yeah, we'll see where we where we land uh, as this uh, wonderful uh, episode three rolls out next time. Um, until then, we 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 thank you for joining us, and we are as ever Richmond till Richmond we till die. we die. There we go. I did it! Love it. Way to go, boss. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.